What you chewing on over there, Nicholas? I was making eating sounds because th- Justin said that it sounded like someone was eating a microphone. Eating a microphone. <laughs> you're not. Are you? You're not recording right now. Right? This is all being recorded right oh, now. Oh, perfect, <laughs> beautiful. Hey, welcome to Gravity Lab Radio. Yo, guys and gals, we mixed up the uh, scene a little bit. We're throwing our ads here in the front after the show is done. Uh, tonight's episode was brought to you by uh, the Good Guys Detailing. The Good Guys Detailing. They do mobile detailing, mobile washing throughout Texas. They're based out of Austin. Uh, but this month, the month of November, we have a special thing going on. If you mention Gravity Lab Radio to our Houston customer base only, I say our Houston, uh, the, the, the uh, Good Guys Detail Houston customer base only. If you mention Gravity Lab Radio, you'll pay $700 for a ceramic coat job to your car. That includes an inside detail, a three-stage polish, and ceramic coating. Justin, you've got that ceramic coating, right? I do, yeah. Dude, how often do you have to wash your car now? Not very often at all. It's crazy. I, I spent many hours detailing it before a car show a couple weekends ago. Got it muddy and just like sprayed it off, and it was still looked almost perfectly clean. Nick, we work at the drop zone, and it gets super muddy out there. Always. Would you be shocked to know I wash my car less than once a month now? Uh, you know, I probably would have been shocked until I saw your car <laughs> and <laughs> saw like saw how candied your guys' paint jobs look after after the work that they've done on them. But uh, I did check out their Instagram today, Good yeah. Guys Instagram. Saw both your cars on there, by the way. Mm-hmm. But man, it's uh, it's looking real sharp. Dude, I uh, used I used to wash it once a week to keep it that clean looking. Now once a month, dude. That seven hundred dollar—it's the best wax job you'll ever get. I saw other uh, Mopars with the same color as mine uh, at the car show, and they didn't look as good as mine, even though theirs are newer. And I drive mine every day, just because like the extra depth it gives and the paint correction he does is so great. And they have services for for poor guys with shitty vans like me, right? It doesn't matter what you drive. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you need. That Ceramic Coat Pro service, highly recommend it. For any of your new cars out there or, or uh, cars that you want to refresh or restore the paint job to. But uh, if you just need the average everyday wash, check out the Good Guys Detail uh, TX on Facebook. Uh, give them a holler. Mention Gravity Lab Radio and get that discount. Also brought to you this week is Option Studios. There's Buy Option Studios. Option Studios does all the graphic design for the rating center for Gravity Lab Radio. They also do work for companies like Velocity Sports Equipment, maker of the Infinity Rig. For Curve, the people uh, Arena Innovations make the Curve. They've done jerseys for performance designs for uh, Apex Base. You name it, uh, Option Studios is involved. They don't just make these dope jerseys we're wearing. They do phenomenal graphic design. We are all wearing Gravity Lab uh, Option Studios jerseys right now. And we did not plan this. I will have you know. No. And these but are God, they're good looking. Random. And these designs are straight out of Adam's head. I told him two things. Number one, I want the Gravity Lab logo on it. Actually, three things. Number two, I want our names on it. And number three, Sacred Geometry somewhere in there. That's what's up. And that's all I had to tell him. Yeah, and I got that from Nick. Thank you, Sacred Geometry. Hey, your name's not on that one. That's cool. Yeah, yeah but this was a really <laughs> good-looking shirt. Really nice. Yeah, kind of weird, man. No name on this one. So uh, <laughs> real huge thanks to Option Studios. Check out pullupcords.com for whatever your graphic design needs are. He does wind blades. He does wind blades. He does pull-up cords. He does stickers, our stickers, hats, everything. Do we got to release those uh, Gravity Lab hats at some point? Is it time? It might be time. Because you don't even wear yours anymore. It's in the van. I see it every day. It makes me sad. Cowboy it tomorrow. Am I wearing mine? Nope, you got a Skydive Dallas hat on. That place doesn't even exist anymore. Ah, oh, dude. I, <laughs> all the Spacelands that 
by other drop zones. I've been collecting like memorabilia for those DZs. To rub it in their face? No, it's super <laughs> cool, man. It's the foundation. Without San Marcos, Skydive San Marcos, Skydive Spaceland wouldn't be where it's at today. You know, those places laid down a solid foundation. Skydive Dallas, Skydive San Marcos, Skydive wherever Steve is going to go next. They, they've laid a foundation. And as we go in and do those transitions, we're very big on making sure they understand that, that we are growing because of them, not vice versa. You know, we're not growing because of them. They're not growing because of us. We're growing because of them. So, guys and gals, check out Option Studios. Check out the good guys detailing. Uh, this week we had Chulo on the show, man. Chulo, better known to the world as... Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos hit me up. I actually hit Nick up in the video room uh, a little <laughs> bit ago. I was like, yo, bro, when am I going to be on Gravity Lab next? And you said? Well, I saw you about 30 feet away, and I said, hang on. Let me ask DJ. Probably this week. It's just that easy. Yeah. And, and it happened. So we had a good time. We learned a little bit about angle camp, angle flying. Of course, we talk a little bit of trash, and we throw much love to our, our favorite place in the world, Venezuela. Uh, thank you, guys and gals. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. hey Welcome to the show. Hello. Our yep. guest today, Mr. Carlos Rodriguez. Yeah. Viva Venezuela. Yeah. Viva Venezuela. Carlos, second time on the show. Second time. Does it feel different than the first time? Nope. Better. More comfortable, you know? Now we got Justin like, there. Like your second tandem? <sighs> that wasn't comfortable. <laughs> oh, Justin Justin wasn't here last time. Nope. nope. How long has it been since you were on? Do you remember? Has it been a year? More than a year, I think. What's gone on in the last year, Carlos? Well, Tell me all about it. Everything's good. Yeah. I moved to another place. You live yeah. in Katy now. Katy. So Katy Zuela. That's a drive. Yeah. How, how long does it take you to get to Spaceland from Katy? 54 minutes. Each way. Each way. Why did you move that far away? Carlos okay. has a wife. Yeah. Who uh, wants to live in Katy Suela. Nah, nice place, too. Good neighborhood. I live where my wife wants me to live, too. Yeah. Fortunately, it's close to the DZ. Was, yeah. it, was it more affordable there than living in Sugarland? It's about. It's a little bit more expensive, but a little bit. And like all the stuff for the baby is better, you know. She can run free. Run free. <laughs> like the neighborhood's just better? Yeah. It's hmm. nice. Good place. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it is. So better than your second tandem. What the fuck happened on your second tandem? We don't want to talk about it. Oh, no. Yeah. Did, was your first jump a tandem? Yes. Oh, yeah, Ernie Long. Ernie Long. In Dallas. Yeah. I know that's this story. Right. Sky that Dallas. When it used to be Sky that Dallas, now it's Sky that Space. Hey, yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, who, yeah. did, who was your tandem instructor for your second tandem? A guy in Venezuela that he molested girls. <laughs> oh, good. Does yeah. it get handsy with you? I don't know. To be honest, I pass out on the second one. Really? But the canopy open and, you know, he was doing a lot of turns and that harness was too tight. Or maybe he molested me. So I <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Gave you a roofie. You, you think he took advantage of you while you were, while you were out? I don't know, but I was hurt. Well, I'm just going to hope that that's true. Me too. Just because that makes a better story, I think. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. So uh, you drove to Spaceland today. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Beautiful weather, though. Cleared up. 
Beautiful weather. We got to jump. Little chilly now. That season's starting. How Windy. many how many skydives do you have now? Around four thousand. And how many did you have when you showed up? Around fifteen hundred. What do you think has improved the most in your uh, in your time with the drop zone? My belly flying is really good. Yeah? Yeah. From videos and, uh, I like it. <laughs> and, uh, I like it. And AFF? Yeah. What, uh, gosh, that's kind of interesting to think about when you think about coming to a big drop zone and belly, just basic belly skills are what, what grow the most. Yeah, because that's more than I do, you know. The most what I do is belly flying when we do videos on AFF. And I think it's improving my skills your your video skills have gotten like so much better since since when you showed up. I remember. So what what do you think is uh has helped you the most to improve that? Setting goals, you know, that to shoot a better video and doing better AFF all the time. What's what's changed for your video? Like what what do you think you've uh Oh, my point of view of the time. Mhm. Yeah, so I used to shoot a little bit flat. Now I get under the tandem. I learned that. Like, to be on level, that makes sense. It's different now for me. And, yeah, that shot's come out better. I like it. Speaking of uh, being on level, Ooh. how was Space Camp? Space Camp was the best. If you're not there, you missed it. Tell, tell people that didn't uh, make it to Space Camp, or maybe people that don't come to Space Land, what, what was Space Camp? The best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Next, that's it. That's <laughs> we're done. Justin, roll the credits. Yeah, roll it. Play the <laughs> outro music. Roll the credits. Chocolate brain. No, it was super good. Super good. <laughs> Everybody, like, step it up a lot during the camp. They learn a lot. We had a lot of fun. Beautiful weather. So yeah. But what, what happened to space camp? What'd you do? So hold on, time out, man. What is space camp? Help. Yeah, I'm help trying us to help here. him tell that story. <laughs> what is All space right. camp? <laughs> All right, space camp was uh, uh, an angle flying camp. And we were four organizers this time. One, two, three. Oh, five. Oh, there five? Five, there you go. Yeah, you and Daniel. Yeah. Tex. And then the two Chilean. Oscar and, and Mumphy. Mumphy, yeah. Which are awesome flyers, everybody, except for me. And uh, <laughs> now we had a lot of fun. Uh, we had beginner groups, intermediate, and then we have like the highly skilled ones. And the jumps were amazing. Uh, I had the privilege of taking the the beginner groups, and they you can see how they start to get better during the day. Every jump was better, and every jump was better. At the end, we were super tight, super good. You came in one of those, or maybe two. I think I came with uh, two or three with your group. Yeah, and it was super good. Yeah, yeah. The last so one was a little bit cray cray, but they get cray cray yeah but that's because people were doing well right you yeah. had back flyers and belly flyers like all kind of switch slots speed up like everything was coming in together so we can make better jumps every day every every jump i'm sorry so ang angle flying and and tracking is kind of a re-emerge as a very popular part of of skydiving right yeah and it's I kind think of the new cool guy thing well i don't i don't know but i think uh people underestimate angle flying and flat tracking also I think uh, people want to go fast and fast, and they don't go through the basic like this to go flat first. And that can be dangerous. It can be. I want I want to take a second, yeah. and I get asked a lot of questions when I'm around the drop zone or different drop zones. And 
jumpers remind me that we don't know what the word angle flying is. We, what's the difference from tracking and angle flying? All right. Well, so like, yep, sorry. Angle flying is like doing tracking in an angle. <laughs> it's like instead of going flat, you know, and... Would you say maybe there's more of a free fly element to it? Yeah, I said so. So it's a little bit different technique. Most likely the pivot, like the pivot point is your head. You know, when you do go at least on your belly, you need a strong core and set your, you know, your head on the angle you want to go to gain more speed, you know. And uh, instead of going flat, when you go flat, you want to make a de-arch your whole body for saying it, to go flatter and faster. And this time to go faster, all you need to do is like put your head in a different angle, but keep your, you know, your body straight and, and try to go fast. But that's when people make mistakes, you know, like underestimated, like, no, I'm just going to do an angle, 15 way angle, no big deal. But if somebody changes the speed there, it can be really bad. So for, for someone who's interested in doing like a, be a beginning group, beginning yeah. group at uh, any sort of an angle camp, hmm. what do you think that a good experience level, what, what does a good skill set look like to, to get into a camp? Like at least learn how to flat track really decent, you know, and keeping your slot. Know how to speed up, how to slow down. And other than that, like, uh, be honest with yourself. You know, you're not like saying like, yeah, I can do this, I can do this. And when you can't do it, just say no, I can do that. Because if not, it can be dangerous. But yeah, I think the most uh, critical stuff is keeping your slot at least in a flat track, going fast, going slow, and know how to do the turns and all that without going as fast as we're going to go in an angle. So that's it, more or less. And what, uh, how, how many people were in a group at the, at the camp? We were five and an organizer, so we were typically six. So that's a pretty good, decent-sized group. It so is. do you feel like you keep a uh, pretty good track of, of five people on an angle jump when, you're, when yeah. you're organizing? Five, I think, is really good. Because you got, especially if you got back flyers also, you can see them right there and just the belly fry should be a little bit above you, you know, so you can decently check them out, see where they're at. So it seems like some people are either, like, a lot stronger on their belly or a lot stronger on their back. Mm. Do you notice any common thing with, the, with, like, a strong belly flyer or a strong back flyer, like, why they might be that way? Well, I think, to be honest, the back flyers, they... Or either they start going on their back at, from day one, or a lot of them, I, I noticed that they come from the tunnel, and like that carving skill of the tunnel makes them really, really good, strong back flyers. You know, the tunnel is an amazing skill for that. And the belly flyers, like, yeah, they just try to follow on, on their bellies. But I think more natural is to follow on your back. I think it's a little bit easier. You think there are more people who are strong on their back than they're strong on their belly? I think so, yeah. I think so. Are you stronger on your back or on your belly? On my belly. And why, why is that? Because I don't really fly that much on my back all the time. So I think, uh, and I need to improve on my carving, you know, and that carving or that position that that's more like the, you know, the, the back flying skill of the angle flying. But I started on my belly since day one doing it. And it's much easier for me to go on my belly. Pretty common thing in South America, it seems. I agree. So why why do you, what's what's up with that? Why why is South America and especially Venezuela 
Now turn on. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> now in Venezuela, like the culture of tracking is really big. And at first we we're like, oh, the, lo- the jump lasts longer, you know, if you're going to track. And they did. That's why we started tracking that much. And then when we started doing angle flying, we were like, oh, man, this is amazing, you know. But, yeah, you need to be really careful about that. So, but, yeah, I think in Venezuela, most likely is belly flying, the most common. Is there uh, a recommendation you would give somebody learning to angle fly, belly, or back first for safety reasons? Coaching. Coaching, yeah? Yeah, one-on-one. Don't get on groups so big at the first time. By big, if you're starting, three people is already big. You know, because if you don't really know where you're going and other stuff, it might be really dangerous. And also make sure that the leader knows the plan and dive the plan, because if not, you can be in the wrong way. So what do you think? uh, So here it's baseline. We have these tracking sheets, right? I like it a lot. So... uh, how, do, you, do you ever get worried about someone that you see filling out one of those tracking sheets that they might not have a great plan about what direction they're going yep. or where they're expecting to open up? Yeah, especially when you open and you see them open and you're like, they didn't do anything, you know? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean didn't do anything? Either like, they went the wrong the way. Line of flight or Both. Even if they went the wrong way. Or even, you know, so people don't consider the clouds. For example, on a super cloudy day, they don't have a plan B just in case, you know. Especially when there is clouds, you don't know where to go. And, you know, if you are not really familiar with the drop zone and it's cloudy, don't do that. Don't track. All right. So let's just say that we're, all, we're the first group out. We're a tracking group. We open up the door. We look out and there are clouds everywhere. What, what's usually the plan B? Well... Are we going to do a straight down skydive? Or yeah. Are you, as the leader, yeah, going to pick I think a different, like, a different depending direction? on the skill set, maybe everybody in the group is good on their bellies, you know? So we do a belly fly, belly jump. Or if it's like people that know how to free fly, let's go straight down because it's safer, you know? If you start tracking, especially in breakoff, can be really dangerous. So I kind of, I got a question based off of that. I, we'll see that every now and then happen in Spaceland. And a group will decide, hey, we're going to go ahead and free fly. We're a four-way free fly group. you got to let the other people go first. Now we have a five-way belly group out behind mm-hmm. us. A lot of times I'll see people let the five-way belly group pass. I agree. But what happens if you have maybe a seven-way angle group and a seven-way belly group, and now to let the seven-way belly group pass, you're all loading the tail at once because you can't really effectively yeah. swap places. I think you should do a belly jump. Yeah. And go out. Yeah. Nice. That's what I... That's what I do. But if it's possible for them to go first and you want to do free flight, if it's possible, that's the thing. So I recommend like when people start doing this and they have like always have a plan B, you know, and let the group, uh, especially if it's a cloudy day, let the group behind you know that there might be a plan B and they're going to go first. Or if there's a plan B, we're going first as a belly jump or whatever, but have a plan B. So when you're working with one of these beginner groups, is there uh, any common coaching? Like, are there things that you find yourself saying a lot? Yes. Like, the most common thing is, like, strong legs, okay? That's, the, like, the, at the beginning. And So just, just like a brand-new skydiver, you got to remember you have legs first? Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Like, tracking is all in the legs, like, 99% of skydives. I think, like, the hands are most likely to take grips. And it's the same in this. And also, like, uh, for example, if they see somebody on their back, it's a common thing 
that people like, oh my God, he's on his back and start following him instead of following the leader. That's a really common thing. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like, oh, he's on his back. Let's go over there. Yeah, you think, where do you think that comes from? Because old school. That's, old school, right? Because yeah, that's happened. exactly what I'm going to lay it on my back. I'm yeah. going to lay it on my back. Oh, where are you going? You know? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? So, yeah, you got to be really careful about that. So, always eyes on the leader, how to look and uh, to the leader, you know? Instead of showing your body to the leader, you just need to show the face. Just look at them with your chin in because if you show them your body, you're going to drift, you know? And everybody's going to be calling each other. Like, come on, come on. Instead of them going like this, they're going to start peeling off instead of flying straight, just looking with your neck in, you know, looking where you should go. But yeah, the more thing is like common. And also like people, when once they get to the slot, it happens in belly and in everything. They just abandon the slot, you know, they get on level and then I'm there and I give up. They're like, come on, keep it up. You know, you need to be where you're supposed to all the time. So levels are really easy for me to understand in mm -hmm. uh, like a flat belly jump <laughs> or a free fly jump. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for me to see if I'm on level because I'm just looking straight across. Right? There you go. So for uh, being on level in a in a movement jump, so let, let's different. just keep it. Let's keep it simple. With a we're we're just a belly and back group. We're not doing any transitions. Mm -hmm. I'm on my belly. How do I know if I'm on level? All right, really good on level. Okay, is that you're gonna be able to see the three rings of your organizer? Or so you're leader. looking over his shoulder at that. Three yes, ring. to anticipate everything that's gonna happen because. For example, if you're on the outside and we're going to do a turn, if you don't anticipate that turn, you're going to be left behind and you're going to be off level already. You know, and then you need to catch up again and all that. And if uh, somebody's on top of you, that's good. But if they're behind you, they're in the, your verbal, you know, and they're going to. And on your back, you need to be chest wrap level, more or less. That's where you want to be. So that's the first row is going to be chest wrap level, yes. right? So what about what if I'm in the row behind the? There's some guy right in front of me, right in front of the leader that's totally killing it. Blocking you? Yeah. Right. Where do I go based on that guy? All right, you need to be if you want to be instead of like if the leader is this one, okay, the one in front. Then we have the first back flyer. Either you want to go to the sides of that guy, mm -hmm. okay, or if you're underneath the guy that is blocking you for saying, you need to be like, you know. I'm going to say close to his rig, more or less. Kind of looking at his butt a little bit. A little bit. All right. That's what you like. I like that view. That's I know. good. <laughs> I know you. I know you do. And then uh, for, for break-offs, it seems like that gets a little uh, confusing for some people. Yeah. What's so a, What's a, a break-off like in one of these beginner groups? All right. The break-off is really important that everybody like dirt dive it, okay? And... When they do the break-off, if we're in a little bit of an angle, keep your angle for a little bit and then slowly take it off. Because if somebody's on top of you and you go from your angle all the way to flat on break-off, that might be really bad. Also, look before you go. Like, if you're going to the right, look to the right and then peel off. And if you look going to the left, look to the left. Make sure nobody's there. Because don't do it blind. You know, just wait for it, look, and then you go. So depending on where I'm at in the formation... That's when you're gonna how, be breaking. How far? How far am I gonna turn? Let's say I'm the guy on the very outside. How far do I? All right. Turn? Almost ninety. Almost ninety. Like if you're going, okay. Leave room if, if you have like two guys right here outside, then two in the middle, and then the organizer for chain. Almost a ninety. Then the other two forty-five away, and then the organizer keep going straight. So why is it important that I don't do a one eighty? Imagine that you are driving on the wrong side of the street. And some guys coming in front of you, 
that's what's going to happen. Like, if you're going to do a 180 and you don't know that somebody's trying to catch up with the group all desperate, and you do a 180, you might have a, a bad collision. So one thing that I've noticed, um, I'm not the greatest angle flyer in the wide world. And one thing I noticed when I started doing more angle jumps <laughs> is uh, <laughs> the next group, <laughs> it, it was uh, something that I always had to think about is, okay, where, where are we going and where is the next group going to open relative to, to where we're going to open? Yeah. Because a really steep angle, we might have the speed of closer to a free fly group mm-hmm. and we might open you know, 20 seconds before that belly group that, that climbed out after us or even longer if they had a really long climb out, right? Mm-hmm. So do you, uh, um, is that something you have in mind when you're planning w- where you're going to fly? Yeah, all the time. So you need to know exactly, like, away from everybody, you know, from the plane, especially that we're moving, we need to get at least 45 away from the plane, at least, okay? That's the minimum. And some people do something really good that they go 45 and they, when they go under the plane, if they're first out, they go basically behind the plane and all the way doing like a 270, more or less, away from everybody because, like you said, like we're going to go almost a free flight group. So, yeah, you need to be really careful about that. Every time you do that, you're going to make sure who's tracking, if there's somebody else tracking in that, group, in that plane, where are they going, where are you going, and talk to them and see how experienced they are, what they're going to do, a flat track, an angle flying, and all, all that depends. But, yeah. Would you say that there's a good thing to notice? Uh, <laughs> I like to notice things about people that make me suspicious of whether or not they're doing the right thing, you know? Like uh, if I see someone walking something and it's totally wrong, or I hear someone say something and I know just from experience that what they're saying is wrong. Is there any common thing that you see people doing uh, poorly when they're planning an angle jump that if I heard someone say I should maybe an talk to jump. that group or maybe... Uh, Stay away from that group. <laughs> yeah, maybe listening to them, like what levels are for them. Okay, like, oh, you need to be here. You need, to, and I'm gonna go on my back. I'm gonna cover around you, and you know that guy have 200 jumps for cent or 250, and you know that's not gonna happen. For example, and you you get you can approach them really gentle, telling, hey man, what are you gonna do in this jump? You know they're gonna tell you the plan, and maybe you can you know like route them like. If I were you guys, I'll do this, I'll do this. But yeah, make sure where where that group is going and get away from them. Tex is one of my favorite people to be yeah. on an angle jump with Me and too. to see him how, like, when there are multiple angled uh, groups on mm-hmm. a plane, yep. the his ability to process and say, hey, you know what's going to work great is if we go this way and you guys go this way. Really he just good. has a really great uh, mind for putting together the, the 3D picture of, mm-hmm. of where everybody needs to be and how things are going to move. But um, Mumphy is really good, too. Yeah, Muffy's great. All, everybody that was yeah. out for Space Camp, like yeah. you guys all had a really, really easy time communicating. Hey, my group's going to go here. We're going to draw this line that neither one of us are going to cross. Your group's mm-hmm. going to open over this area. Your group's going to open over this area. Yep. But um, you can tell that there's a lot of experience that goes into understanding how, how to put multiple groups like that in, in the sky. Yeah. So that's where it's weird about like uh, jump numbers. Yeah. Where, you know, 500 jumps can look really different from one person to, to, to another. Uh, do, you, do you notice like a, a minimum jump number of anyone who's, you know... Organizing? Or I mean, not even organizing, but just uh, someone who's doing well on a, on a, on a tracking jump on a, or on a, an angle jump. Like they're doing good around... Yeah, like, so I'm going to come to you. I'm going to say, hey, Carlos, I'm going to be on, I'm in your group. I have X amount of jumps. 
Like, is there any number that, like, below a certain number you're going to really worry about this person? Yeah, like, the number, the jump number matters, of course. You know, it's more or less, that's when we know experience. And I think 800 is a good number, you know, 700, more or less. But how many jumps have you done like this? That's another thing, okay? Because you can have 800 head down jumps, but you don't know how to move. So for me, that's transparent, you know? Like, have you done angle flying before? No. Well... But I have 800 jumps, Carlos. Well, you said 800 jumps. So you need to know more or less the what they do, and you know, hopefully you get to jump with them before to see what they're doing. And because a, a big tendency of angle flying, like some sometimes happens that they go and we're going steep, and instead of moving, they're trying to go too vertical because they're used to do um, head down or head up or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just if you haven't done angle flying, just say to the organizing to see. But yeah, a lot of people right now, like you said, uh, they're into angle flying and all that. And I think it's amazing, you know, but be careful. So with all this angle flying talk, yes, are, are we going to see another Keep It Tropical boogie? Next year. Next I year? I talked to Luis this year. Th- this year. I talked to Luis <laughs> today, actually, to talk him about that. And yeah, this year, this upcoming year, I'm... Hopefully, Five for Life boys are going to be here. So, th- is this an, an open camp? Is this an invite-only thing? No, it's going to be open camp, but based on your skill set also. Uh, like, people are more than welcome to join as long as they have the abilities that they require, okay? They're going to send you, a, like, a sign-in sheet, for more or less. They ask you, like, what you do, what's your strong side, if you can fly both ways, if you can keep on level with this. Uh, if you know somebody or like if you have any job with the Fly for Life voice or the organizer will bring, uh, you can also, they, and have you jumped with me, they can also ask me, oh, is this guy, you know, what they're going to do? This guy is good on his belly, he's good on his back. Hopefully Tex is going to be with us again. He's a amazing organizer too. And yeah, so. but th- So they're having you kind of fill out your own report card to start yeah. with? of. Yeah. yeah, I can do this. I can fly on my back. I can fly on my belly. That's I can why fly on my always, feet. That's why I want to say be honest, okay? Because if you if you go not put all that, they're gonna put you in a group based on your true shit, and maybe you're not good for that for that level, and you can be dangerous, you know. So let's say that I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm hearing Carlos talk about this Fly for Life event that's gonna happen next year. Boom. What do I do? Wait. <laughs> do you know what month it's going to be? Well, we're talking about April, okay? But uh, we're looking for uh, the best season due to the weather, you know? Mm-hmm. April is a decent season. It's really good. And that's what we're aiming for, April. But we'll see. I think April is going to be the month. April, maybe May. May. May, maybe. Maybe. Huh? Maybe, May. So, DJ, you don't have a lot of... Uh Angle flying experience. Did, are there any questions that you have about this? Anything that seems confusing or odd? How many people call it angel flying? <laughs> A bunch. Yeah. And I love it. It's awesome. I love it. Can we please name the next... Uh, the angel flying. No, I was going to say angles in the outfield. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> Best movie ever. <laughs> no, man. It's, it's uh, So for years, we called this Atmanati. And yep. still some people do. Yep. Uh, angle flying, it's like you said, Nick, it's kind of come back and been in vogue. And 
uh, in my younger days, I did a handful of Atmanati jumps, and mm-hmm. I liked them, and this is not necessarily for the best reason, but because I naturally backslid a lot on my head, so I could go on this <laughs> jump in this slot and be per- It was, like, made for me. And, and uh, there was some niceness to that because I was able to use it to learn to control my speed <laughs> in that group. A buddy used it with me to mm-hmm. practice and to learn and to get better. So uh, I didn't really go on groups, but I, I definitely used it in a one-on-one coaching environment. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it, w- it was a pretty cool trick. Um, I, so I, I'll be honest, some of this, I've been zoned out. Nick, you know how you ca- I catch you? Like, yeah, kinda, just listening uh, and be like, oh, shit, the podcast is actually happening right now. I was like, dude, I was <laughs> yeah. thinking about my taxes and thinking about like, okay, April, I might be on a trip to Cali or something. Man, I don't know what's going on. Oh, you have a question for me? <laughs> Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so the question I uh, I have is, did you guys talk about free flying being a foundation of angle flying? How important is a free fly basis? Does it help? Is it important? Well, right now, actually, they're mixing a lot of jumps, like from angle to free fly. So I'm going to say yes. Free fly is really important. Uh, and uh, yeah. But I think most important is flat tracking, to be honest. Like first, go through the basics. And people wants to run, like, yeah, I've done 20, 70 belly jumps. Now I want to learn how to angle flying. Hit the brakes. That's what I'm going to say. Man, you keep bringing it back down to uh, flat tracking. And I agree. Tracking yeah. is such a lost art form. It's so important that we're good at it, not just for angle flying, but just to survive an Safety. everyday skydive. Yeah. Man, I would love to see an organizer come back and bring out flat tracking weekends where it's an organized weekend of just flat tracking. That'd be awesome. Um, I think we have the talent set at Spaceland to get that done, and I do believe the uh, people will do it, man. I, th- yeah, I me think too. you push them and challenge them, and, and most skydivers will face a challenge and come to it and say, oh, fuck, I'll learn to get better at that. So yeah. uh, maybe we can incorporate that in some of these camps. Well, how about like a little... Like a little setup of five jumps, you know, uh-huh. with one-on-one students, that'll be awesome to to start like presenting to the public. It's like first jump, you know, how to track position, mm-hmm. and then the last jump, my my goal is to make them make them lead a track a track dive. So from following, exiting the plane, body position, turns, and the last jump, he's gonna do the the whole leading, and I'll be like chasing. But yeah, like like you were saying, like. Uh, text for example I saw one of his jumps and he does it a lot and every they just go flat and fast as they can and it's amazing you know that's like really really nice I like it so and it's not only them like I see a lot of people when they do this jump okay this one we're just gonna go flat track as flat as we can and you can see for example I did a jump last year with Manfi I think he was here yep and I was going with him I was going and, was, and he got so flat that I was like you see he was really, really going. Some people just don't do it anymore. Just like this side. It's like, let's go and go find because it's fast. I'm going to be in videos. <laughs> and yeah, we should. I'm going to be so cool on the internet. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Internet these days. <laughs> you're not on Facebook, Carlos. No, not you've yet. S- you've still survived. I'm a survivor. Do you, do you feel like you're missing anything by not being on Facebook? Yeah, the weather holds. <laughs> Have you noticed when Carlos is in a rating center picture that I tag him regularly? Do you, I mean, you just write his name? Carlos hates Facebook. Carlos is the love child of Ronald McDonald. I, True. All sorts of fun shit. 
So look for Carlos's picture or name on a rating center picture. And he's got his own hashtag. And he's got some Carlos something, something. about Facebook or Ronald McDonald. One of the Beautiful. two, probably. Yes. So, so, so how many of those Fly for Life boys are from Venezuela? All of them. Really? All of them. I didn't realize that. Yeah. They're all from Venezuela. So that's just kind of a, the culture there? Everyone wants to No, track? to be honest, like, uh, Luis started it, I think, with Manny, with Manuel. They were living together in Sebastian, and they were Luis not even... Luis Prenetto. Luis Prenetto and Manuel Guevara. They started together in Sebastian, but they were not even Fly for Life. And I dare to say that Fly for Life was something... There was a really good friend of Manuel and Luis that unfortunately passed away in skydiving. His name was Peter G. Uh, I didn't know him, but I know they were super good friends. And one time I gave Manuel some shoes, and I told him, okay, pick your shoes, whatever you want to do it. We make it online and stuff. And he put on his back of his shoe, Fly for Life, and I was like, mm, this is pretty cool. And he told me that was he, that was the saying of Peter G all the time, Fly for Life. And I think the name started from there. I'm not 100% sure, but we can call him. Uh, speaking of calling... Well, <laughs> so last time Carlos was here, <laughs> Carlos put his phone number out. Yes. To people watching, and ha- invited anyone who heard it to call in. It's one nine hundred mix a lot. Yes. Shake them healthy butts. <laughs> Carlos yeah. has got back. I seen him. Yeah. I do. I've been working out. Yeah, you doing those squats? <laughs> yeah. When no. was the last time you went to the gym? With you, like a year, <laughs> not the gym, the, the outdoor gym. You do. flipping the tire. Well, I did one. Saw you flip that thing. Yo, hold on, one hold on. T- oh, hold speaking on. of flipping, flipping tires. Talk to me, Goose. So, you guys saw the video I put up. Yes. Right. So a lot of people forwarded it to Goodyear, and uh, or tagged Goodyear in it. And Goodyear saw one of the messages, and they called me. This is hmm. a week ago Wednesday. I got a call from... Uh, I was at the tunnel picking up footage from text to make the Space Camp video. Nice. And uh, my phone rings, and it's just a weird number. And I'm like, man, this is Goodyear. I know it's going to be. <laughs> just a weird number. And I answer it, and hello. And his name was Nick also. He said, hey, this is Nick Loyalis from... Uh, the company he was calling from is the company that does Goodyear's PR. So... Goodyear is their client, mm-hmm. more or less. He said, hey, uh, yeah, we saw your video. We're super into it. We just want to ask you some some questions about kind of what you're after. So uh, I told him, yeah, we're not, not looking for money for the event or anything. 100% of anything that we were to raise is going to go right to the charity. I have the tire. We're going to make the video already, whatever. So he was super into it, really nice. I talked to him for maybe 15 minutes and... Um, just said that he would be in touch via email. But one, one thing he asked is if I would be willing to push the date of flipping the tire back if they thought that they could make a bigger deal out of the event, if they could All right. add to it anyway. And I said, yeah, of course, that, that's, that's fine. My only reason to flip it soon was I wanted to finish the video to have it out on Veterans Day, just right. because I thought it would do better on the Internet on mm-hmm. Veterans Day, right? So um, conversation ended well. Uh, he sent me an email the next day saying, hey, uh, oh, <laughs> he also told me not to talk about this. So everyone on the Internet, don't say a thing. All yeah, six of you, <laughs> shush. Whatever. But uh, so then um, 
But he talked about a couple of things. He talked about uh, maybe they would just give one big donation to this charity, or maybe that they would uh, any like we would make the video, use the video as a fundraising method, and that they would match dollar for dollar anything that anybody donated through the, nice. the video campaign, I guess. So the next day I get an email from him. Hey, yada, yada, great talking to you. Uh, we already work with these two veterans organizations. One is Support Our Troops, and the other was... Um, Gosh, something about a flag or colors or something. I have to look it up in my email. And he said, would you, uh, that you know, good, you're curious if you'd be willing to raise money for either of these groups instead. So I told them, you know, this this organization that I wanted to raise money for is unique to, to my story. And, you know, it's Folds kind of, of connection with my... Folds of Honor. That's right. Yes, sir. But uh, told them why, just kind of reiterated why I wanted to raise money for the Semper Fi Fund. And said, you know, if it's a make it or break it deal, obviously we'll pick the better of these two charities and, and we'll do it that way. But if you, you know, this is why it's important to me and this is why it's unique to my story. Send him that email and then uh, haven't heard back since. And that was a week ago. So I gave him a phone call today and uh, didn't, get a, didn't get an answer. So I'm worried. So I have two thoughts in mind. Of one, they're like, oh, this shithead didn't want to raise money for the two charities we <laughs> picked. So he's probably an asshole. So let's just not talk to him anymore. That's my big worry. Or they, when he asked me, would you be willing to push it back if we could do something bigger? And I said, yes. Then they just assumed that they were going to push it back. And so they're not in an urgent rush to, to get in contact with me. But I don't, I don't care if they bail because <laughs> I just want to make the video anyway. And uh, talking to our buddy Braden Smith, we thought of some really funny ways to, uh, like, I want to just call out companies that haven't agreed to be sponsors. <laughs> And just try and get them, like, almost make jokes about their, about, like, uh, point out that we're filming it all on Sony cameras and uh, make a, a silly joke about Sony. Or maybe it's like, I'm about to say something important and then a Domino's pizza delivery guy shows <laughs> up and then we just start talking about Domino's pizza. Like, think about cheesy product placement in, like, <laughs> Talladega Nights, yeah, you know? Yeah. That it would be kind of similar material of, like, Big I'm just going to make jokes about all of these companies and hope that enough people sh share it and tag these companies in the video that they would see it. And kind of like the ALS challenge went on, on YouTube, people mm -hmm. sharing it and tagging other people in other groups that, it, that donations came from that. So that's how I've imagined it going. So even if they bail, that's still how I want to make it. But if they are going to bail, I'd rather do it sooner than later. So I was really hoping that today I would get word from them, even if the word was like, yeah, sorry, we're going to donate our money to somebody else which is totally not how it felt the last time I spoke with him. So I'm hoping that that it's just uh, they're super busy with <laughs> things that are more important than one tiny little man flipping a tire. I emailed him last week, called him today, haven't heard anything back, just trying to be patient. I'm going to believe the second thing is probably more true than the first thing, and that was uh, you said yes to the delay. Mm -hmm. They have so many fucking big fires out there. Um Everything you're trying to do, I think, is awesome, but probably small potatoes in there can uh, yeah, sure. things to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I bet they're still in. I bet you they're still interested, and he just putting you on the back burner was something he was able to do now. Right. So, but it's still, I hope that that's true, but it's still, I really just want to get it done, you know? So, what if you don't? So, that's supposed to be this Sunday, that's the tire flip. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. If I was going to try and stick to my schedule of doing it, do, flipping the tire that Sunday, spending the week editing it, which I absolutely don't have to time to do next week because I'm actually going to see our friends at uh, Velocity Sports next week. What up, Kelly? And um, 
so it would be a hectic week to try and get it done. Obviously, if I say I'm going to get it done, I would get it done. But it would be cooler to have a little more time to, to edit that video. So I'm either, ju I'm either just going to scramble the troops on Saturday and say, hey, you guys got to show up and help me with this tomorrow if I don't hear anything back. But if I hear any sort of response back of, hey, just wait, hey, just anything, then, yeah, I'll wait. I'll maybe even doing it on Veterans Day at Spaceland would be good because hmm. uh, there's going to be a Veterans Day event there anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I can really do it on any day except for if it's raining. Yeah. So uh, so at this point, we're on a standby to standby. Yeah, maybe Sunday. Maybe the following Sunday. <laughs> I don't, I don't so know. What time are you planning on starting it, this? It, it would be early if I was going to do it, um, just because I wouldn't want to. I would like to be off of the runway before normal jump operations would, would normally start. Sunday first load usually goes at 9. So it, if my math's any good, I think it's going to take me about two hours to, to do it. So I'd probably like get there at 6.15, 6.30, have a nice long warm-up, start at 7, flipping the tire, and then finish around 9. So we'll start in the dark. Well, it's uh, daylight saving oh, starts on Sunday. That's there right. That'll be back so, to light. So it would, have, uh, it would be a really good day to do it because I'd get an extra hour of sleep. The sun's going to be up at a, at a better time, and uh, anyone who was going to come help would uh, would not be so tired getting up so early. Dude, this works out. There is a UFC 230 a Saturday night, and I was thinking about, man, I'm going to watch the fights a Saturday night. got to fucking wake up early for Nick on Sunday morning. <laughs> fucking pizza. Dude, I went the wrong way. Justin just watched me do the clock thing with my yes. Yeah, Spring ahead, <laughs> fall back. I knew it was fall back, but I still fell forward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy who falls upstairs, not down them. But yeah, I, I still, I, I feel like super physically ready to flip that tire. But uh, like I didn't exercise this morning and I'm not planning on exercising so I can be super fresh hmm. on Sunday if it has to happen. But uh, it might not. It might not be on Sunday. I would really just like a phone call back from this motherfucker. Come on, Nick. <laughs> or an email or anything. I just want to play with that fancy new gimbal you got, dude. That's a lot of fun. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little setup, man. It is. Goddamn robots nice. holding my cameras. Dude. Oh, dude They're um, taking over. Did you listen? Uh, Rogan had this guy, Marcus, somebody or the yeah, other. Yeah, he's a tech nerd. So I went to his YouTube page, and he has got this fucking video of this robot arm that you program all the points you want it to fly. Dude, you need one of these things. I'm sure it's six digits, man. I, cool. It's ridiculous Sign me expensive. up. But you I got a credit card <laughs> with nowhere near that credit limit. <laughs> Sounds like every new jumper. How do I buy gear? Everybody tells them. Put it on a card. I'm going to help when I hear that. Did you, did you put your first, first rig on a card? No. But I take a loan out for it anyways. <laughs> I took a loan out for mine, yeah. too, also. How did you afford your first rig, Carlos? It was a used one. What's it? Yeah. Did you, how, how did you get the money? Working. Did, did you have it because you were a baller-ass stockbroker? I was broker? a baller. No, nah, man, that was <laughs> super mega cheap rig. Saber 1, 170. Vector 2. Crazy openings. <laughs> what was your first rig, Nick? My first rig was a Vector. It was uh, gray and magenta. Uh, Spectre 135, but I weighed 125 pounds at the time, so pretty much at one to one. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the reserve in it. So when I bought, I didn't have an AAD, but um, that was a dumb move. 
I wouldn't suggest anyone start skydiving without an AAD because it's you know fourteen hundred dollars for a pretty decent life, life insurance policy. But uh, the the reserve was an R Max, oh. and I was like, it's just the reserve. I'm not even going to use it very much, <laughs> you know. And then the first time I landed that reserve was stalling it backwards and slamming <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> it really sucked. I've never so, jumped one. Dude, it was not good. It was not good. So the this was in Utah also. So our, our landing area is 4,500 feet elevation. So you get a little bit less out of your flare than, than you would here. Yeah. So I flared it like I, like I expected to flare it, and then that didn't work. And I think I was... I had just started jumping um, a cross brace canopy. It was uh, an FX ninety four mm-hmm. that uh, has a they call it a chaos mod. I think they do some of the stabilizers and a chaos line set on it. B- but uh, the f- the I had lengthened the brake, so I was used to a really really deep flare. And so when nothing happened, I flared the the reserve. Nothing happened, so I flared it the rest of the way, and it stopped being a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> that just sucked. Yikes. It just stopped being a drop me on the ground shoot. Yeah, dude, I thought I blew my knee out. Oh damn! That like, body was. Uh, yeah, and I just I was I was about to stick it in the peas right in the middle. I was right I was right there, but then I stalled it two feet out of the peas and fell backwards because at, at si- I was probably at six or seven feet and just fell straight down, and you know the wing is starting to come back behind me now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pitching back, and I still had my foot beneath me and tried to catch all my weight, and my knee tried to go the wrong way. Ugh. And I'm sitting there like, I was worried. I was genuinely, genuinely worried that I was hurt. And this old guy, Bill, who's one of my favorite people, who uh, he's just like an old Harley guy who's a pretty good belly flyer, okay. is just laughing at me because <laughs> he didn't know that I was actually hurt. Like he thought he just got to see me fall down. Like it was just funny to him. I don't think he even realized I was flying a reserve. <laughs> so Bill's laughing at me, and I want to just be like, "Hey, man, fuck you! My knee is super hurt right now." But uh, yeah, I was I was fine. But I bought an uh, an Optimum Reserve shortly after that. Good. What was your first rig, Justin? Uh, my Javelin. Javelin, same rig you yeah, got now. Same one now. Yeah. I had uh, a was it a Pulse two ten? I started with. I started with a Triathlon one hundred and sixty at a one point three wing loading with twenty jumps. Beautiful. Dude, my rigger and my chief instructor sold it to me because one (laughs) of them wanted in the pants of the girl I bought it from. Um, (laughs) Later, like... Always count on a skydiver. Oh, 20 jumps later, one of them tried to have me grounded from that rig. The DZO pulled me aside and said, hey, look, I know he sold you that rig. You're going to hear he's trying to ground you. I own the DZ, so I can ground you. Nobody else can. So when you hear about it, just ignore it. Go on with your day. Like, okay, great. Can I ask what you were going to be grounded for? Jumping too small of a main. I mean, were you doing a bad job? Um, I was a little reckless early on, no doubt. Um, I was being a little bit more aggressive um, than I probably should have been. Um, I was doing a lot of it with coaching and instruction. Um, at that point, I wasn't, though. So at that point, I was still trying to find my way. I had no clue what coaching was. So uh, I probably would have looked at me with questionable eyes. Like, not probably. In hindsight, I definitely have my attention. People ask me all the time, like, you see a new jumper with problems on her canopy trying to get too aggressive with a wing right away, and you very quickly take an interest in them. Why? And I'm like, because somebody actually got a hold of me, got my attention, made it made sense to me, and helped me along the way instead of just beating the shit out of me. 
And uh, so I, I try to, to help back. Mm. So I had that 160, a dolphin container. Pretty fucking dope. <laughs> nice. Um, it had the snaps for the riser covers. Like, you know how you, like, snap a, a button or something? Like, yeah. Um, the snaps would come completely apart every so often. So I had to send it in as soon as I bought it for the Velcro mod because the Velcro was an upgrade. Isn't that so <laughs> funny to hear oh, wow. the Velcro mod? <laughs> Velcro was an upgrade, which today, if you catch Velcro on a rig, I might punch you. Um, it's something we don't put on rigs anymore. Yeah, unless you're a reserve or cutaway handle. Yeah. You shouldn't be having Velcro. Yeah, it's, it's Velcro is, is something you just want to avoid. Um, and it was a cricket reserve, which landed great. It opened hard as fuck, but it landed great. Tell me about the opening. What was your malfunction? Well, I had two rides underneath it. One was spinning diving line twist on a Stiletto 135. RSL? And, uh, no RSL on that one. Actually, no RSL on either. Um, and it opened pretty like pretty comfortably on that one. Um, Hold on. Back up. I want to hear about the malfunction. I want to hear about your first malfunction. Oh, dude, man. Uh, I kicked the wrong way. <laughs> I had line <laughs> twist on my reserve. It was spinning. It was diving. It was, or not my reserve, my main. Stiletto, what size is your main? Stiletto 135. Okay. Um, I forget what I loaded at that point, but like I'm a buck 80, usually most of my life. And uh, spinning, diving, spinning, diving, kicking, fighting, kicking, fighting, and it just doesn't want to go anywhere. Cut away, pull my reserve. Cut away, drop my handle. So when I pull my reserve, I throw my handle at the other handle, like, take that! Like, that's going <laughs> to You thought they were going to just meet back up and be buddies in the sky? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the video was entertaining because you hear me yelling, oh, doctor, oh, nurse, oh, fuck. And it wasn't about that tone. There's actually a, a Christmas video from Indiana with that in the, in the end of it. Um, pretty uneventful. Pretty nice opening. Um, the other one was Terminal. Um, and god damn, a cricket opens hard terminal. So, spinning diving line twist on a stiletto 107. And there was no fun on that one. That one was a lot more violent. So, But you say it was a terminal reserve ride? Yeah. Cut away, got stable, deployed my reserve. But I was going pretty fast at that moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right, do, you, do you have any cutaways with an RSL? Uh, tandem. Just tandem? Skyhook. Yeah, man, and uh, holy fuck, a mart is fast. I had a tandem student. It was her second jump with me in, I think, two weeks. And I said, hey, look up. See the parachute? Yeah. Remember last time it was a giant rectangle? <laughs> yeah. See how it looks like a giant bow tie? I tried to clear it. I tried like six times to clear it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so cool. Grab your harness. Put your feet together. Go ahead and put your head back on my shoulder. Now watch this. I grabbed my cutaway handle. And my reserve handle, and I punch her with one, like, hey, hey, feel this? Yeah. That's my cutaway handle. I'm going to pull it. The parachute's going to go away. Hey, feel this? Yeah, yeah. That's my reserve handle. I explained the whole thing to her. It's so stable. <laughs> I cut away. I pull the reserve handle. If you ever have a fucking malfunction, pull that reserve handle. I don't care how quickly your reserve opens. It's good practice. I pulled it, and her answer was, it changed colors. <laughs> it was so, she's watching it. It's like magic. a fucking magic trick. So Mars are definitely fast. So that my, my one RSL ride is a Skyhook ride as well. How many cutaways do you have? Uh, I was asked this question yesterday, and I don't know if it's seven or eight. One of the two. Damn, you got a lot. I got three. Well, you're a better packer than me, I guess. I, uh, almost all of my uh, cutaways have been from tension knots. 
which I've tried to to clear, but it just hasn't worked. Tension <laughs> knots not easy to clear. Yeah, tension knots on a chaos. It's a non-cascade line set, so oh, I think yeah. they're just a little more uh, a little more common on a chaos. Have you had a cutaway yet? No, nope, not yet. How many jumps you got? About seven hundred. <laughs> Shit's coming. Watch it's out. Coming. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, right it's been five thousand since my last one. Don't listen to him. Knock on wood. <laughs> what about you, Chulo? I got four. Four. How many jumps? Three thousand. Four thousand. All of them. Line twist. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I don't. I don't fight them often. What do you What do you think of it? Like when you open up in line twist, is there anything that you try and do to get out of them? Yeah. When I see that it's possible. Yeah, say, say Jesus, take the wheel. He, he always does. <laughs> Cypress, <laughs> Cypress, take the wheel. Cypress, take the wheel. No, and like the first one was with a Katana 120. And it was, I couldn't fight that one off. And the other ones, I'm going to say like 70% of those, I made it myself. So, yeah, it's not fun. I, f- I feel like, um, so when I have line twists, which doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And so I've only had them a handful of times since thinking that I've learned this trick. But instead of grabbing my risers, right hand to right riser, left hand to left riser, and spreading, mm-hmm. I look at the direction of the twist, grab over and under. So my right hand will end up on the left riser, left hand on the right riser. And I feel like there's just a lot more leverage to okay. get it unspinning the correct way. Mm-hmm. But again, this has only happened a handful of times. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, it's a 50% chance that the direction you're spinning <laughs> is going to be out of the line twists, right? So yeah. I think your your process, your solution is partially, uh, I, I think I know what you're doing. I do the same thing, but I keep my hands on the proper side. And I just look which, which way the risers are twisting and pull them the opposite way. So I think what you're doing is crossing grips is unnecessary. I think it's the direction of pull that's it, creating the success. It might be. I'm not sure. Most of the time, if I end up, if I open with a half or one full line twist... Like under my Valkyrie, dude. It's like, it's. I'm already out of it before the inflation has yeah. really, like, really started. You know, yeah. I, I just look up, I see the risers, and I just move my weight to be back underneath it, and I'm back underneath it before it's really started opening. I don't think I've had line twist a dozen times in my life total. Um, and so the first thing is, is a fly your openings, but b don't overfly your openings. Mm. And did you ever find that to be a problem for either one of you guys? I overflew them. That's why I made them line twist. Yeah. I convert something that might not be a line twist into a line twist, especially with the JVX that I had. Yeah, that was a problem. What about you, Nick? I think early on I would have said that I was guilty of overflying it, like being too aggressive on just a rear riser or something like that, trying mm-hmm. to fix what's going on. But for me, when I when I'm op- when my canopy is opening, I grab all four risers. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm front and rear in each hand and it's almost like i'm extending my arms like i'm pushing out of my arms and keeping my arms straight Mm -hmm. so that the harness input is i'm steering with my ass more (laughs) or less (laughs) and uh, i think that that's a lot more effective and a lot harder to um you know to really crank on something that's gonna put you into that turn that's gonna spin you back up i do a very similar thing to you and one thing that you said you used to do is spread and I don't spread my risers as I grab them all four together, but I hold them just tight enough. I put just enough pressure on them so I feel what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So spreading is probably the direction I'm going. Mm-hmm. Probably half a pound, one pound of force more than what I'm feeling. That way, as soon as it goes anywhere, I feel it going, and I can pull in that opposite direction. 
So I, I don't spread. And, and one of the things that you said, Carlos, is you overfly. Mm. The thing I've noticed with people transitioning to high performance wings is when the canopy is above their head and straight above their head and rotating, they immediately want to fly it. If it's above your head and rotating, don't do anything. It's mm. not flying. It's just sitting there turning around. It's when it starts surging or taking Catching away better. from over your head. That's when it's flying, and that's when you should start flying it. I made that mistake when I first switched to a Storm. Yeah. Just having the higher wing loading and going to a 7-cell, being super responsive in the harness. I'd see it start to turn and try to fight it, and it just end up making things way worse. Just real quick, it's uh, the Storm's receptive in the harness, not necessarily 7-cell. Because like the Spectre, dude, yeah. the harness input's like... Yeah, I was going from a pulse. So. Yeah, no, the storm's <laughs> super harness receptive. So people end up overflying it. So one, you mentioned goals earlier, goals in, in video flying. Do you use a Do vision you? board? <laughs> <laughs> Were you there when I when Jimmy claimed to use a vision board? Were you there? No. So okay, so just for anyone that doesn't know the story, Jimmy, <laughs> as part of uh, the next step seminar, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Next step. Um, so it's part of the, the mentor program, yeah. was talking about his journey of going from, you know, new skydiver to 200 ways in, in the short time that he did, four years, I think. And I asked him about goal setting of like, hey, how do you, like, what do you do when you set a goal? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I have a vision board in my room. And he, he didn't just <laughs> say that. He was like, yeah, I have pictures of, you know, this and that. And like, even when I had like fitness, I put pictures up of like people I want to look like and whatever. And so he makes up this whole elaborate lie, and then we had him on, <laughs> we had him on the podcast, and I mentioned this, and he's like, hey, I got to tell you, I've made that shit up. I don't <laughs> have that. <laughs> but I can see him having... Me too. Like, it's not a shock that he has a vision board. I'm more, like, shocked he doesn't have one. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great answer. Yeah. I can see him having a cat vision board. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, speaking but, of Jimmy... He won the film festival. Jimmy did win oh, the film festival. Yeah. This, uh, yeah. For anyone that's, awesome. that's just listening, there's a brand new GoPro 7 sitting on the table in front of me. I got to assume that's his, along that, with that ProTrack 2. That ProTrack 2, that GoPro 7, and Aries 2 uh, from Larson and Bruce Guard, uh, a custom jersey from Option Studios. I told Adam today on a phone call that Jimmy will probably ask for cats, cats on yeah, the fucking jersey. Uh, I mean, it's going to be like a totally cat-themed cat God, can jersey. it please be Jimmy as a cat? Can we just <laughs> tell Adam what to make? Yeah, fuck you, Jimmy. You get no decision in this. This is ours. Um, Jimmy as a cat riding a unicorn. A free Atande <laughs> weed jumpsuit, 30% <laughs> off a cookie helmet, uh, 20% off an infinity rig, and a free infinity jersey. Uh, there's something else I forget. Oh, six free jumps from Skydive Spaceland. How could I forget that one? So he won a lot of good shit, man. So check yeah. it out. Uh, dude, finding, finding the one. Finding the one. So finding the one, <laughs> I totally missed the play on words. Finding the one. You watch the video, yeah, right? Yeah, awesome. So, you know, he's talking to Menard, and early on, it's like, yeah, he hadn't found the dude yet. And even at the end where he's like, yo, I'm in it just for the rig. and shush, Spoiler shush. alert. Yeah, yeah. total spoiler <laughs> I still didn't realize the rig was the one until like a couple of days ago. <laughs> he's like, oh, he still didn't fuck that dude at the end. <laughs> I'm like, well, you still ain't got your dude, but at least you got a rig, bro. Yeah, if you I mean, haven't right? seen Jimmy's video, there's a link to it on our Facebook page. It's on Vimeo, Finding the One, Jimmy Wynn. Oh, it's fucking phenomenal, man. Su super funny. It'll be uh, linked. I liked how the, the lock screen on his phone was you and text That was shirts fucking off. hilarious. <laughs> that he had me at, that had me at hello. With yeah, that shit. I laughed so hard just right at the beginning. <laughs> we previewed these uh, an hour or so before the film festival. Because everybody gave it to us that day. 
Fucking everybody. No, not Patty. Okay, <laughs> everybody but one. Or Amir. Okay, well, 10 out of 12 <laughs> is still not bad. <laughs> Patty's daughter. <laughs> You're just okay, how about make him look s- like an asshole. six people gave me their video that day when that, I started with zero? I think about eight was right. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, dude, Dallas, they were off the hook, man. Everybody raised the bar this year. Everybody brought it up to the next level. Oh, are, do we, are we going to impose a rule of like, so Danny already won, Jimmy already won. Can they still compete? Fuck yeah. All right. They can do they can do it again. You know what? We Until need to have the winners in like an advanced class against Nick Lott. That's a good idea. The Nick Lott class is what yeah, I call there it. There you go. And we don't have a Nick Lott class yet. I, I Maybe just, one more year. It's getting there. Yeah, dude. I there's a few people, man. Glenno, dude, his video uh, by Glenn, far most Glenn's was great. Yeah. Blair's was funny. Yeah. yeah. My and my advice uh for for anyone that wants to compete in the film festival, finish your video plan on doing it like a few weeks before you actually have to have it to us and show it to people my my favorite thing to do like i tried to show carlos a video today and i had to turn it off because it just wasn't even to a point where i felt okay about having someone else watch this thing that wasn't just wasn't ready but if you have uh, a video and you can show it to people you can you can you get a good sense for the parts that are working the parts that uh where you might lose somebody the things that might be too short or too long mm-hmm. and uh, watch people watch your video and you'll then you'll end up with a better end product. I got to recommend that when you do it, plug in headphones to your computer, put headphones on the person. Carlos, he shows both of us videos all the time. Mm. Has he shown you a video without headphones and just music through his computer? Mm. You've done not, not very often. often. I, I usually like to kidnap people and yeah. kidnap their attention only because it really bothers me when I've put something like so much work into making this thing this certain way and like one you know I know that they're listening to this person chat in the corner or they're distracted by this noise of the yeah. door opening or whatever it really bothers me <laughs> in a pretty serious way to watch someone not pay attention to this thing that I've slaved over for hours so uh, but I think it just adds to the experience too and it, I feel like I'm kidnapping someone's attention I, yeah. That's a perfect description, and as one of those people who, I, the last video you showed me was recently, and you did it without headphones, and I stayed locked in, I think, the whole time, um, outside of when I would look to you to laugh together. What, what video was it? Was it the Space Camp video? I think so. I do, I, man, I've lost track. Um, what other videos are you, I think the Space Camp video would make sense. Um, I think I'm pretty finished with uh, with most things except for something that I started. Uh, or I guess I have uh, like maybe three things going. Have you sat down with Dan yet? N- not yet. You know, He's, you know, Father it's on Dan. My, it's on Father my list. Yeah, dude, awesome uh, guy. He told me his whole not his whole story, but he told me his story. And dude, it's a crazy story. Yeah, it's almost hard to believe his story. Do you know the story then already? Uh, I've heard it. I've heard Hank. Uh, so I've heard the story secondhand from Hank yeah. and secondhand from somebody else. Stephen. Uh, maybe Steven, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I won't tell it to you, man. It is so worth hearing the first time. What a friendly, nice guy. Yes. And, man, uh, I, I want to wait till you have done your gig with him and mm-hmm. about four or five months down the road, I'd well, like to I, bring him in as a new jumper. I can tell that he's going to continue to skydive. He's, yeah. And so I think that that's where, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Father Dan is a newly licensed jumper. He's uh, a Catholic priest. Is that yes. right? Amen. Padre? Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, 
incredibly friendly guy. Uh, got his A license a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I shattered him with my camera a little bit as he was going through a packing class, wanted to jump with him, followed him in the airplane a couple of times just to get some, some B-roll for the, for the video. But I want, I'm really interested to see how his perspective of skydiving changes as he exits the student program and becomes a, a real fun jumper, you know? Sure. And so I think that's the point that I want to interview him so I can hear his story and then mix that with, uh, you know, what it's like to learn to skydive and what it's like to, to be a real skydiver. So w- do you know when that breaking point is? Just when you recognize it? Or I think when s- I see him going on group jumps... See him coming down from some four ways, you know, where he turned a couple of points mm-hmm. where there's going to be good footage of him in the sky and he can talk about what it's like to to be on a jump with others and what it's like to I mean, with your student jumps. The instructor is compensating for you a lot. Sure. Right. So it's not really until you go out with people of your own skill level or, or mentors or, or mentors <laughs> or when you just have a job on a jump of like, hey, you're not in the base. You're going to have to come here. This is your slot. That's when people really start to get a feel for what their skydiving skill set is like. Mm-hmm. That's sure. That's sure when I discovered that I sucked at skydiving. <laughs> so that's uh, that's when I want to talk to him. But uh, I think that's a logical time play time and place. And I have thought about doing two interviews with him. One one now, and then maybe we pause it a couple of months. Like one now, get the story, pause it a couple of months, and then have him talk about skydiving. But. I've been busy with some other stuff, so I haven't. I like the idea of getting it all at once. Let let that mind evolve and see what it is then, because the way he tells a story, man, dude, it's a the guy's a storyteller. Like if you are listening to this and you get a chance to speak with Father Dan, first of all, his name is Dan, and he doesn't have to be called Father Dan. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like your gay friend. You don't introduce your gay friend as this is gay Jimmy. (laughs) This is Jimmy, (laughs) right? Um, so I got to sit with Dan and speak and chill with him recently. And, and Nick, you know, I think a lot of you guys know my religious background and I was a, an assistant pastor in a church at some point. I worked in churches, um, tons of religious background. And the one thing after kind of a, a full day of interactions, we were talking and it came up and he's like, yeah, no, I've never called you father. I just, I, uh, you're Dan, you're, you're not at work. And he actually appreciates just being Dan. He appreciates just being. And he mad. should stop spreading holy water on people with the drop zone, dude. If he doesn't want to be called Father Dan, the well, power so of Christ compels you. You can't play both sides of that coin. Well, so he tells me that, and then I walk by him, you know, like forty minutes later, and he's standing in a prayer circle. I'm not kidding, not being silly. With, uh, have you seen this older black fella uh, running around with like airborne hat on? He's done two tandems now. Yeah, uh, he's a pastor, I believe. And him and his buddy and mm-hmm. and Dan are standing together in a nice little prayer circle. I'm not trying to be silly or joke, hand, holding hands, and and I don't know who's going on where, but they were doing their thing. Praying. Well, I'm going to hell. Why? <laughs> so I'm a terrible person. I thought that was obvious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but Father Dan, he will, he will be a story coming up here. Dude, but uh, but I've just got some other things on the uh, on the front burner that are a little more time sensitive. That's they're good. they're announcing the uh, jump package Boom. Oh, for yeah. 2019. Next week, so I gotta have a video done uh, about Mr. Henry Guyver. He's in first place right now. The time we spoke, he had one thousand one hundred and eleven jumps this year. Damn. Does Mateo have more jumps than that? I don't know who Mateo is. Mateo is the guy who showed up to the wingsuit camp last weekend with a vector that looks like your infinity. Oh yeah, Dallas guy. I know. Yeah, him. yeah. I think he might have more. Christy gave me the numbers. I thought, I thought it included everybody. Yeah. But I'll have to look. He might I'm, not. I'll, I'll look it up. 
right now. I know he's really close, so uh, I'm not 100% sure. So next year, the film festival is October, I believe, 19th. October 19th, 2020. I'd have to double-check the date, but we already set the dates for next year. So next year, we will do it again. Uh, hopefully, you guys will raise the bar. Hopefully, we'll find some more people to raise the bar. For sure. I every really, year. Huh? Yeah, every year, man. That's the goal, dude. That's the goal. So but just to interrupt you yeah, here yeah. about the number of jumps, the last numbers I have are from the end of... September, I guess it would be. Uh huh. And Mateo was about seventy jumps behind Henry. Okay, so they are close. And I don't think Mateo is going to catch up because Dallas is their their time of year uh, ends earlier. Uh, the top one, Justin, try to hit cancel. I want to try something new. We have every now and then a Facebook. We might yeah, lose everyone on still Facebook. Still working on here. Yeah, is yeah. Hit hit login. Hey, if you're watching on Facebook and we cancel disappear login. all of a sudden, don't worry about it. We'll come back. So I uh, I had this happen. Just yeah. keep clicking cancel and log in and eventually it goes back. <laughs> yeah, no, it, there it goes again. But now leave it be. See what happens. So anyways, back to Carlos. <laughs> yeah, so back to uh, Venezuela. Maybe I should stop what? mashing F5. That's probably the problem. <laughs> so anyone who doesn't know about Venezuela, what's the situation like there? Same. Terrible. Well, let's say I know nothing about Venezuela. What? What? Same means what? We have a dictator. All right. And Maduro. Guy, yeah. El Padazo de Mierda. He's running the circus right now. And yeah, economy's on the worst levels. So wh- seen. How, how long has this change taken to happen? Like how, how long ago was Venezuela doing well? Like really well. I'm going to save him with Chavez in 20, 2000, what, six? So from 2006 to 2018, it's, when you start it's really falling apart. Actually, in two th- Venezuela is an uh, oil country you know we have a lot of oil and what, what's a gallon of gas cost in venezuela zero <laughs> to be honest zero like to f- one dollar you fill up your tank for a year that's how bad it is so that's part of the problem also right and uh when the oil <laughs> prices start dropping the country start going to you know going down but also if we had the when the oil prices were up we didn't save up you know they stole all the money, thinking about, oh, they we're going to have a The government stole the money? The government, yep. And a lot of people, even not the government. You so know? is Chavez still in, off in in power at this time? He's dead. Yeah. No, when this was Chavez happening? Was, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, Chavez was part of it. Yeah. yeah. And everybody around him, you know. So Chavez is crooked. Maduro comes in, he's worse. Every politician is crooked. Sorry. So let's go backwards. Not, but let's go backwards for one second. And you say the price of oil is nothing. But the price of oil throughout the world is is astronomical. It's a lot more expensive. Yeah. Why is oil not costing anything in Venezuela? Because populism, you know, like to keep people happy all the time. It was nothing the day one was born, and it's nothing right now. I think isn't it true? Part of it is 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 there's not a lot of export of oil, so there's a lot of abundance of oil in. In well, Venezuela, it's not going to certain to, uh, to certain places. Right so now, the truth is that. The biggest company in Venezuela for oil is bankrupt. You know, everything they took over, the government took over, and nothing is working, so we're not producing a lot of oil. But we have the biggest reservoirs in the world. That's true. It's amazing because it seems like America gets so involved with so many places, Mm -hmm. and it seems like one of the leading 
motivators we have is money, but oil <coughs> being one of those monies, we're always involved with oil countries. Mm-hmm. But yet America has still been very quiet and, and well, has been the world. Well, like right now, to be honest, uh, Donald Trump, um, how you said Donald Trump's uh, time? Uh-huh, era. Yeah, era. They're doing really hard. They're being really hard with Venezuela. They they did a lot of punishment to how to move the money and all that. So Venezuela is kind of an, uh, they got their money locked, you know? Yeah, this is something I was surprised to hear today, yeah. is that you were talking good about Donald Trump. I was surprised too. I'm not talking good. Well, I'm not talking bad, but he's doing... He's kind of standing up to Venezuela yeah, to some extent, right? Yeah, he, he really is. But how long is this going to have to last for Venezuela to really... To get re- hurt? Yeah. It's already hurt. Like, the sanctions, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The sanctions are really, really effective. Nice. And, yeah, they can they can even pay, like, bonds and all that. Venezuela is in a really bad p- spot. But, in the other hand, the government uses these sanctions to say, ah, we're not paying because of these guys and all that. So, yeah. But, but still, like, inflation there is crazy. Man. Food is scarce. Yeah. So, basically, inflation... You don't know what the price is going to be on on bread tomorrow. You don't even know the prices. So One dollar is crazy in Venezuela. But the government passed a law about, um, I think you said it, it was like a minimum income that, that everybody has to make. Yeah. They try to enforce. You know, the markets are, they don't work if you enforce stuff. Every time you enforce something, there's a, a way beside it, you know. Like Marcus needs to speak up by himself, speak up by himself, and he's trying to force. Yeah, we're gonna earn thirty dollars a month, which is nothing, you know, uh, at minimum wage in Venezuela. Thirty dollars a month. When he announced it, it, was okay. Right now, that announcement is not even. The dollar has gone so up, but it's still like three dollars a month. Once again, after two months, three dollars a month That's is what, what someone's yeah. making. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. I spend five dollars a day on coffee. There you go. On coffee? Yeah. What are you fucking drinking? My one can of Stumptown coffee. I'm gonna call him oh. out as a sponsor on the tire flipping video. I know, yeah. <laughs> that's stuff. That stuff is good. It's delicious, but uh, it is also five dollars uh, for one little can of it. I will not yeah, that's why I don't drink it. Gets me turned up though. Boom. Do you get that at the hippie store? Uh the hippie store sells it, but uh Kroger sells it too. Uh I wanna say H E B sells it. Kroger and H E B sells a shitload of good hippie stuff. They they've got a pretty good selection yeah, of stir hippie stuff. There's a market for it. Bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like you. Hey <laughs> So you still have family there in Venezuela. Yeah, mom and dad are there. And one of my sisters. And what are th- what are they doing? How are they making it through? Well, savings, you know, and in Venezuela if you change two hundred dollars you can live a month. That's how insane it is. Two hundred, three hundred dollars. You can live up and how do, how does your dad feel about the government? He's like the biggest opposition in the world. Fuck the police. He got arrested already <laughs> once. How he, old is he? 73. And he's getting arrested. He got arrested in a mark. He went to a supermarket that it was controlled by the government. And now he, he <laughs> he's insane. He started yelling like, we are in a dictatorship. Can everybody see? And two National Guards got him and put him away. <laughs> Your dad's a badass. He is a badass. I love him. At a certain age, you stop giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah, he don't give a fuck. He did great. So do they have plans to 
to leave. No. They're, j- they're just going to weather out the storm. Yeah. He's 73. My mom is 60. I'm going to say 65, but he never, she never says her age. I'm like, I can't believe I don't know how old I Yeah, mom, you old. You're <laughs> used to it. <laughs> you don't she, know your mom's own age? No, she changes all the time. She's like, no, I was <laughs> Every born year. I was, I was born in... <laughs> <laughs> can't keep track of that shit. No, she goes like, yeah, I was born in 52. And sometimes I hear, no, I was born in 54. Make that was two mind. years later. There two years go. from now, I'll be 56. There you go. That's what Nick's saying. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, she she's getting getting a year I, I was just making a joke that every year her age changed because <laughs> yeah. every year so does everybody's It age. really does. Oh, I'm I was up. just being an asshole. Do you know Connie's age? My mom, Connie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's every see. 428, six, no, wait. 428, 53. No, 63. <laughs> 63. So she's 55. I always have to, I'm 25 years younger than my father. So I have to do the math. Like, okay, so dad's about to be seventy. Okay, mom's two years younger. That's how I just I just do backwards math. Here you go. Uh, my dad's gonna turn seventy this year. Your dad's older than that, but it's pretty cool. I'm gonna go visit him for his seventieth birthday. Nice. We're gonna try our best not to give him a heart attack for his birthday, <laughs> and that would be a pretty good gift. You're gonna surprise him? No, they know oh, we're okay. coming. He has no clue we're gonna do something for his birthday. Um, he has been strictly ordered not to listen to this podcast because I say fuck <laughs> and fuck would offend my fucking father. Um, <laughs> love him to death, man. My, my father is my hero, no doubt. Mine too. Um, so I, I don't cuss around him, not out of fear, but out of respect and love to him. Yep. Um, so uh, he knows I'll be in town visiting my sister. So my sister and I are planning on taking him out and doing something nice for him. Nice. Hmm. So Hanging out with your dad, son. That sounds cool. Uh, awkward. Go to commercial. So <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate rain. Uh, so ha- Halloween was yesterday. Mom's birthday also. Your mom's birthday was yesterday. How, how do you turn? know? She's lying to you. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, for she, a she's born in June. You know, she, yeah, she's a liar. She's lying. What did you guys do for Halloween? Do some family stuff. Trick or treat was awesome. How's Martina? It's Martina. You know what? You know what her daughter or his daughter's nickname is? No. Doctor Baby Angel Face. Yeah. She is. She haven't watched Mostly a joke from Step Brothers. So what did she dress up as? I had uh, the the face that I brought in today. I don't know. It's like a husky, like a dog. You let your tiny little baby wear no, that No, that giant? was me. That was oh, me. that's what she... Okay. No, she was Wonder <laughs> Woman. Wonder Child. Wonder Woman. Yeah. What? So was she Wonder Woman last year? No, she was a dinosaur. But it rained. We tried to put another dinosaur this year. She took it off. Was she into dinosaurs before? Like, where did dinosaur come from? Yeah, she said dinosaur. Rawr, because Peppa Pig, you know? Nope. All right. There's <laughs> a show called Peppa Pig. Super nice. Peppa Pig? It's a pig. Pa- are you saying paper pig? No, Peppa. 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 There you go. Yeah. It's a British pig with his whole family. So the little guy, the baby brother, he's got a little dinosaur. And he goes, dinosaur. Rawr. Soto Martina. Do you feel like it's weird that you know all this stuff? Yes, like little I kid love stuff? it. This is the best. <laughs> it's like when I feel weird all my ta- all my life, I feel weird until I met people like you and Adam that they knew every stupid thing we say about the movies. I can't believe there's people like me. I was like, yes, finally. I'd love to, if you want to get on my good side, quote some movies with That's me. It. That's the and fastest it's way. There you go. So I was like, man, this is great that somebody knows these stupid movies that I love. They love what it do too. you think is the movie we quote the most? I'm going to say Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Yeah. I was going to say Wedding Crashers or maybe Step Brothers. Yeah, those two. But they're, they're right up there. Old school, that's a good one. It's a great one. Oh, Have yeah. you seen any of this? We're going streaking. There we go. There's more coming. <laughs> Frank, get in the car. <laughs>
Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. So it's cold outside, eh, Frank? So did you guys go trick-or-treating? Yeah. And I haven't been trick-or-treating since I was probably 13. You're coming next year. Is it fun still? It's great. It's great. Is it scary? Because it seems like like when I was a kid, there were kids playing out in the street all the time. We were always outside, riding skateboards, whatever, getting into trouble. And I just don't see a lot of kids doing that anymore. I think it depends where you live. Cell phones. Yeah. I mean, it's... uh, so I don't see as many kids around the street in my neighborhood as I would th- that I would think that I would see, but there's definitely times a day, uh, places I def I regularly have to watch the kids slow down to make the kids stop playing ball to let me through. Mm. They're all very respectful. Um, you know, we live in a pretty reasonable neighborhood. Uh, the kids are all out, so definitely see a, a lot of it here. Yeah, it's good. You live in the. Were city. there a lot of kids trick or treating? A million. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. Do they yeah. bust them into your neighborhood? I think so. Dude, our uh, this the neighborhood we live on, the west end of the neighborhood is exposed to the freeway by about a mile. And they would literally van in from other neighborhoods into our neighborhood. And we didn't know it for years. So we would get such a shitload of traffic, and we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and one day we were doing something for Halloween, so we bailed, and we stopped. And the road, like, you know, there's one road that cuts through almost every neighborhood. That's the artery that feeds every other little mm-hmm. neighborhood uh, road. And there were shitloads of vans stopped, <laughs> and we're watching people pile <laughs> out of vans. I'm like, yo, you're importing kids to my neighborhood to steal my candy? <laughs> no, man. This end of the neighborhood is very secluded, so we really just see the locals, which mm-hmm. is super cool. I don't mind you busting your kids in, but we, we recognize each other, not all of us, but you know, you definitely this see pleasant from trees. Yeah. yeah, you know, you see people out here talking. Actually, my neighborhood, they all sit in the fucking driveway to hand out candy. Nice. So you all sit on the driveway. You hand out candy. Some people are playing music. Neighbor across the corner puts a big pr- projector out and puts a movie up on their uh, garage door, some cool Halloween movie. When the kids are slow, the adults go meander back and forth and still drinks or whatever from each other. It's a pretty good fucking time. Now, I was surprised today, Katie Van Helsing. <laughs> I thought she knew where you lived. <laughs> no, she told me, like, uh, there's some neighborhoods that get, they hand out money. I was like, what? Yeah, that's weird. I heard her say that too. I was like, what fucking neighborhood I, I is she got, in? I never got money. Yeah, somebody that works for me said that. Like, her kid got the cutest outfit award and gave her money. It's so weird. That is crazy. What? I've never heard of that. No. Katie was like, yeah, if you go to the really nice neighborhood, I see some people giving 20s to kids. I was like, what? That's insane. Damn. Let's go trick or treating next year, Nick. <laughs> yeah. You put on a mask, you're short enough yeah, to pass. Yeah, short as enough. A kid. I'll get away with it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'll shave. Fuck yeah, man. You Have y'all seen the most recent episode of South Park? Yes, I just watched it today. Yeah, I was thinking of that when you were talking about busing kids in. <laughs> yeah. You know the uh, whole scooter craze that's going on. Do you know about this? No, I'm a grown up. Apparently, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, like a razor scooter. Oh, they you the mean electric. the ones that are like commuters that are around cities? Is yes. this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do know about this. Uh, South Park did a parody of that and Halloween. So the kids used these scooters to like get as much candy as they could. We could hit as many neighborhoods as we can. So that's what Cartman over there is talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was definitely funny. shocked to see the bag of candy that Carlos brought in this morning. Oh, man, me too. When I realized how much candy they give to a year old, I was like, wow, these people are crazy. Did, what, was she, like, what was she using for a bag? No, she had a little bag that said Martina. It was really cute, something we made up for her. Well, actually, her mom. And uh, she was, you know, we were going out there, mom, mom, her, and I having fun. 
And then at the point of the night, she was like, giving us the bag because it was so too heavy. heavy. Too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> what? And when I realized how much candy, I was like, this is crazy. How long were you guys out for? Two hours. In, in the rain? No, we had perfect weather for two hours. Like from six to eight, no rain. Yeah, there and was then, no rain here. Oh, and then crazy. From eight to this morning, it was raining a lot. But from six to eight, we had fun. All the kids, I think they thought the same. The parents like, it's time. Let's go. Everybody in the in the streets. You got a couple pounds of candy in that time. <laughs> yeah. That's insane, man. Do you guys hand out candy at your house? Yeah, we did. Yeah, Nick. No, I, I honestly I didn't even know it was Halloween. Yeah. I met a friend for coffee and was just out until ten thirty. I didn't see a single kid trick or treating. Didn't see any of it. We uh, commonly will hand out candy, but I really. I, I don't mind A, not handing out candy because last night I played Call of Duty instead. <laughs> um, but B, I will eat all that fucking candy, man. Oh, dude. Christ. It's so much fucking sugar, dude. There's still so much, so more in the drops and so. No, no, no. <laughs> no, eat it all before I show up, please. I don't need any of that. You've been doing some fasting recently, DJ. Ooh. Uh, doing the regular, uh, it's, it's actually been a couple few weeks now since I've done a 24 hour fast. I've uh, been doing regular, uh, during September was all once a week, 24-hour fasts. Um, intermittent fasting, the majority. Actually, I think it's just, I think probably once every two weeks I eat breakfast or something in the morning. But for the most part, intermittent fasting has become natural now. You you told me when I started doing it, it just, it's, you don't even worry about it. You don't think about it. You're not hungry in the morning. It just, it's, it's how you exist. So that's definitely made a huge difference. Um I need to uh I need to try that go to sleep hungry that you've mentioned. Let's that. do it tomorrow. You want to do it tomorrow? Hold on one second. I've got some plans for dinner this week. Let me think about that. Um like with friends going out and doing stuff. Well, those friends are going to be eating by themselves. You're going to be watching the whole time. <laughs> What's today? Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. Usually that's how I'm it works. Love. <laughs> that's all. Thursday. So I can't eat until Saturday morning is what you're telling me right now. Yeah, so you're going to wake up tomorrow, uh huh, eat nothing. And eat nothing until Saturday. Go to bed, wake up, eat nothing some more, and then have have food whenever you'd normally have food on Saturday. Ooh. All right. Let's do it. Boom. I'm in. I'm not. Yeah. But I'm going to go Saturday, too, because I'm a man. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go for that. My <laughs> goal is for a, not, not this time, I'd like to try to get to a, I think, five-day fast is... is I've only done five days one time. It's rough. You were an asshole. You weren't an asshole. You were actually very nice. I was so as too tired to be a dick. <laughs> but you were very like, dude, I want to be an asshole. Yeah, you you owned the it. But three, you day, three days is easy, dude. Three days is cake. That fourth day gets real rough. And after five days, it's like, okay. I bet you, I bet you there's another wall that you break through uh, after, you know, I don't know if it's day five, six, or seven, but... There are people that do 30 and 40 day fasts. And you're doing oh. just water. Not, not, so a lot. Sparkling water, yeah. I've been told by a lot of people recently, like, oh, I'm doing a three day fast. I'm doing a five day fast. Like, oh, yeah, man, will you just drink a water? Oh, no, dude, I'm drinking juice and this. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. They're juicing and, and that's better than just normal eating, but you're doing just water. Yeah, just water. Uh, well, actually, I do have one uh, cup of black coffee in the morning. I say black coffee. I read I can yep. have a cup of black coffee. Yeah, but you can't do like the whole bulletproof coffee, nope, milk and cream, none of that. No, that's that doesn't fly. Yeah, no. I uh, there are some some teas that are okay, some teas that aren't. I I found out through fasting that I actually like black coffee. I didn't realize. It's great, right? 
I used before cutting sugar out of my diet, all my coffee was hazelnut creamer, and I thought I loved hazelnut creamer. No, hazelnut creamer is full of sugar. I love sugar. So I switched to sugar-free hazelnut creamer, and it tastes like ass. Um, <laughs> so I, t- I got into like a splash, just like literally like a, you know, if you take one of those little cups of creamer, half of one of those might be used for a, a cup of coffee in a restaurant, and that's used on a lot. So when I had to try straight black coffee fasting, it, it was very, I went, oh, black like coffee's this. good, yeah. Mm. Which, man, makes life a lot easier because it's cheaper to drink black coffee than to have bite creamer. Unless you're drinking a $5 can of coffee still because you're an idiot. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you Kay. $5. So <laughs> talking about fasting, I want to talk about the exact opposite. Carlos. Sir. Food. January 1st. What are we doing? McDonald's challenge. How long has it been since <laughs> you had McDonald's? The McRib is back. Exactly. Today's the first or second? Today's the first. Yeah. Ten months. What's your favorite thing in the wide world? McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter. Did my you wife. swear not to go to McDonald's for a year? Yeah. Dude, did you know the McRib is back in November, though? How yep. can you not go to McDonald's this month? Not going. When you make a deal with God that you're not eating McDonald's, you can't mess around. There you go. Do you God. like a McRib, but though? I love it. Dude, the McRib is probably the most obviously synthetic piece of meat in my life. So good. It is so fucking good, dude. <laughs> it has rib in the name, oh and there are no bones in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the McRib with extra pickle, extra onion. It's the sh- extra sauce, and it's just a fucking mess in my beard. But hey, January 1st, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk to Billy Whitaker, okay. who's the fucking man. I he love Billy. Man. He's awesome. Great guy. Billy, uh, he has three McDonald's now, right? I don't... I'm not... I don't really I'm know. pretty sure he has okay. three. I feel like I've had this conversation with him. Nice. But we're going to find one that we can be at all day. And whether <laughs> it needs to be one with a play place or one with what, whatever whatever he says is the place that we're going to be all day. We're going to be. We're going to be there. All right. And... <laughs> I'm gonna eat. Mc- we're gonna eat at least three meals at McDonald's. Let's do it. Are you down? I'm down. All right. Let's do it. So. Did fast. we talk about the McDonald's party last time you were here? I think. Yes, so. we did. But we can talk about it. We can well, talk about we're again, just gonna yeah. one up the McDonald's party. Ronald McDonald was there last time. Somebody's gonna have to die or go to the hospital this time. <laughs> it's gonna get that crazy. <laughs> did you rain? I'm in. Okay. I was figuring out bringing like the remote set for Gravity Lab there. <laughs> I was thinking about doing an hour together <laughs> while we're at it. How great would that be to have Billy Whitaker on the podcast at on McDonald's the while we're all there binging? <laughs> Billy. Dude, we can make this happen for sure. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Best case scenario, he has good internet there. Probably doesn't. It's a business. Worst case scenario, I fucking use my data on my phone. Worst case works. scenario, I get day drunk <laughs> for the first time in my life. <laughs> You've never been day drunk? I've never been drunk, I don't think. Yes, say, have you ever been drunk? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> We gotta fix it. Have you? Do you drink, Carlos? No. Have you ever been drunk? Yes. Oh, sorry. You don't drink at all? No. Well, well I can drink a little bit of beer, but I never drink. Why? Why don't you drink? I think there in my family there was no culture of drinking. I never drink a beer with my dad ever. Stuff like that, or so, of my mom, nobody. My sisters don't drink. I don't drink. I don't know. So, but you have been drunk before. Yes. How old? Like what? Do you go through a partying uh, phase or yeah, something? Yeah, like uh, one of my best friends got married, so I drink half a beer and I'm drunk. You ever vomit in the parking <laughs> yeah. lot of a liquor store? 
not. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hear this story. Oh, it's, that's the story. We were partying all night long in bars, and on the way home from the bars, we said we need more alcohol. It was a liquor store, and <laughs> middle of the parking lot, I decided I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so here you go, parking lot. Have some booze. I was ready when I got back to the house to go again. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, throwing up is one of my least favorite things Boot in the world. Rally. I love it. I hate it. I love <laughs> it. It oh makes you feel God. so good once you throw up. Really? The feeling of throwing up is the worst. But the second after, you're perfect. See, I love the feeling after of sneezing. Yeah. When I, when I, I can sneeze, enjoy a sneeze, oh, yeah. 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 But vomiting, you're fucking crazy. No, nah, man. When you're done vomiting, oh, you're gone. No, man. The lead up, having your face in the toilet. Waiting forever. Ah, God. <laughs> I'm saying, it. like, after all that, the process is the worst. But... The second after vomiting, I still feel like shit. I, I hate it. <laughs> I, I taste it. <laughs> well, that that tooth, when you brush your teeth after that, is magic also. So good. <laughs> so good. I threw up this year for the first year in like five years. It was <laughs> so bad, yeah. Of an illness? Oh. Bowling alley. Food at the bowling alley. <sighs> Went out with Sam and her family. And dude, I will fucking tell you. Think about every like stereotypical American activity. <laughs> Filipino families nail all of them. Bowling, they're fucking crazy. These <laughs> Filipinos, they went fucking hard, dude. And so I'm just partying, hanging out, eating all the shitty, you know, whatever you order at a bowling yeah. alley. It's garbage. Pizza. Yeah, real pizza. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, fuck it. Cheat day. <laughs> dude, uh, Filipinos are crazy at everything. They're yeah, super hyper competitive. Karaoke. You ever seen them do karaoke? Of the best. You ever yeah. seen them dance? Yeah. Shit's crazy. Do you play pool? Play pool with a bunch of Filipinos. No, no. You want to know what? My stupid girlfriend worked <laughs> at a pool hall, and I didn't know this. So she worked at a pool hall when she was younger, and we lived in an, our first uh, apartment that we had together. They had a like a rec room with a pool table. And she's like, oh, you want to play a game of pool? Motherfucker hustled me. Dude, Filipinos <laughs> and pool, it's a big culture. Yeah. Bustamante, I can't remember his last name, is a pool player. Very well-known, high-level, top-level professional player. And dude, Filipinos and pool, it's, I, I think you know I grew up with pool tables and pool halls. Yeah, I think I knew that. Yeah, and uh, well, now you do. Uh, I'll forget, don't worry. Grew up on military <laughs> bases. We had nothing to do. Overseas, they had a pool room. That led to a pool table in our house that led to me being in pool halls for a large part of until I started skydiving. So I played a lot of pool. I'm not great. Not going to embarrass myself, but that's about it. Carlos, what's a skill that you have that most people don't know about? Yo-yo. Are you really? Good at nah, really? <laughs> I want to <laughs> Oh, <I> man. <laughs> I love watching that shit. No, no, no. Did you have a guy, like, when I was a kid, there was an assembly where a dude who was real good with a yo-yo came through. Did you have this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about you? They do that shit in Venezuela? No. No, they couldn't afford no. a yo-yo there. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, super into it. I got, like, the ball bearing one and all that shit. Yeah, the fucking Duncan Butterfly, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Toys R Us. So what can you do? Tandems? Nope. <laughs> what can you, what, what's your secret hidden talent? I've been called the singing bird of my generation. <laughs> <laughs> the what? <laughs> it's the stepbrother's quote. He's getting it. No, no, like, I love to play soccer. Uh, the, you know, that was actually on my list of things to ask you about. Okay. Why do people give a shit about soccer? Why not? <laughs> That's the answer. It's the most popular sport in the world. Is that not true? Yeah, it is. Why isn't it here in America? Why, why doesn't anyone care? Because here, like, for example, when soccer started here, they tried to put new rules. And everybody was like, ah, what the hell? Like here, baseball is the. This is the place to see. Yeah, baseball, football, basketball. I say baseball yeah. is really dead. 
I hate to say that because I love baseball. That in a bad way. In a what way? Uh, it's not really a thing to watch. Most Americans like high-scoring, fast-paced games. It's our yeah. national pastime. And what, do you it, hate America? It's passed away. <laughs> um, I love baseball. But watch, like, go to Buffalo Wild Wings and look when they have football and baseball on yeah. and watch what people are watching. Especially in the South. Yeah. Like, it's, it's mostly football. Football. All, all, everybody's watching football unless they are old and white, they're watching baseball, or they're Mexican, they're watching soccer or, yeah. or, Amer- or the world football. I love baseball so much. I watch yeah. it all the time. Ah, dude, I, I love it. It's a cerebral game. So this World I. Series, you? You love it? Yeah, I love nice, it. Nice, man. It's an amazing sport. Well, I went to 20 games this season oh. and over 20 last season. Yeah, man. In Venezuela, baseball is crazy also. It's really good. We oh, have yeah. really good players. Jose Altuve. Number 27. <laughs> you know who uh, Fernando Valenzuela is? Can yeah. say his last name? He's Mexican. Uh, he's a really uh, good pitcher. Uh, but his name is Venezuela. Valenzuela. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Uh, so I want to go to a question, and I kind of teased at yeah. it. Tandem rating. Yeah. You, I saw your look. You you don't have a tandem rating. <laughs> I don't. You have an AFF rating. I do. You shoot video. I do. You've thought about a tandem rating. Yes. Where are you at right now with that thought? Still in the same place when we talked. Well, share that. Where is that place? Right now, I'm not 100% convinced mm-hmm. of doing tandems, and I don't want to do something that I'm not 100% convinced because I think it's going to be terrible because it... First, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure if I want to carry all that weight in front of me or that little weight that depends on the passenger. And I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. So first of all... Uh, and the you, video guys will hate me. If you don't know me, um, and you know me well enough, I'm not an advocate of talking somebody into a rating yeah. they don't want. I know. Um, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate. I want to hear your argument because I, I like your argument. Mm. Uh, man... To make a consistent paycheck, having a tandem rating is actually probably the best way to make the most consistent income in skydiving. Mm. Not everybody gets video. Mm. Uh, AFF students get grounded. Where tandems have a lot more accessible student load, and uh, whether it's video or wind, so so you can jump more. Yeah. So, man, wouldn't it financially make more sense to get your tandem rating? It does. It's so why not do it? Because I'm convinced, like, if you're not going to do, like, a really, really good job, you know, and 100% that you're sure that you want to do something, I think you shouldn't do it. Like, I've seen people, like, doing tandems, not because I'm not trying to say, like, it's boring. I think it's amazing. The experience of listening to to a first-time jump and watch the parachute open is going to be unreal, you know. But I've seen people that they just don't care, and I just don't want to be that guy, you know. Have you ever seen somebody get their rating who just doesn't really want it? Yeah. And what happens to them? They just quit it. They quit what? They love the love for the sport. Once they do that, they're like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, you know, they don't really like it. Or sometimes I've seen people that do tandem, so they don't really enjoy it. I love shooting video and I love doing AFF. And I want to have that feeling for the tandems. So I want to translate that statement to all, all skydiving, but uh, specifically working skydives, but whether it's four-way fun jumps, tracking, free-flying, wingsuiting, yeah. instructional stuff, don't ever talk your friends into doing something. If they mm. want to do it, they'll want to do it. If they don't want to do it and you talk them into it, mm. uh, you've seen, and Nick, I know you've seen it as well, people will quit skydiving because 
now I hate skydiving because I'm doing something, in your case, a tandem, mm. that I don't like doing. And because I don't like doing it, now I get bitter about skydiving, and, and you quit skydiving altogether. Mm. So if your friends don't want to do it, again, it doesn't matter, not just tandem rating, free yeah, fly, yeah, angle, whatever. I, I think there's a, a distinct difference between being supportive and encouraging uh-huh. of someone that, or mm-hmm. of s- someone having a goal, something that uh, maybe they don't feel like they're ready for, but you see their strengths and you can ta- you know, convince someone that they're ready for a thing that you're sure that they're ready for. I think that's great. But to be like, bro, got to get your tandem rating. <laughs> like, yeah, I do agree that... People that are pushed into anything in, in the sport, uh, it's a really uh, fast road to, to being burned out and losing your enjoyment of uh, what brought you to the sport. And both you guys, Nick and, and Carlos, are full-time skydivers and doing a successful job of it, but yet neither one of you have a tandem rating. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's proof that you don't need it. Yep. At least uh, I have given thought this last, to be honest, like this last two months. Mm-hmm. Thinking about doing tandems, but when I'm gonna be 100% sure that I'm ready for it and convinced, I'll let you know. So, what is it? And again, not trying yeah. to convince you, but want to know what is it right now that makes you not think you want to do it? Is it you're not physically ready, you're not emotionally ready? Like, emotionally, like I'm not 100% motivated of doing it. And I've seen people, like, not only here in Venezuela and everywhere, like. Oh, I'm in a tandem. Mm-hmm. You know, they go like that. I don't want to be that. When I see my name on the board, I'm like, oh, I'm in a video. I got a student. I want to be like, I have a tandem. You know, I'm excited. Yeah. But I just don't want to be doing tandem because, yeah, it's more money and stuff. But I'll, I think I'll get there. But right now, I don't, I don't want it right now. Yeah. Maybe it, next year. I do, to to each their own, and it wouldn't shock me if you never did. Mm. Hank is an example of the opposite. If Hank had a choice of doing anything, he would rather do tandems all day, every day. And part of it is there's no doubt it's the best way to make a living, but Mm. I think a large part of it is is for Hank, it's the way for him to share the sport with the most people in a limited amount of time. I agree. And he likes to share that. So, again, it's to each their own. Yeah, yeah. There's people both ways. <laughs> people just... Why are you looking at me? Because I stole your show. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So I thought you were saying, hey, asshole, you should get a tandem rating. I thought that was the look <laughs> I saw. <laughs> are you? Have you ever thought about it? When I first started skydiving, I did think about it. Yeah. Do you physically think you're capable of it? <laughs> you know who you're talking to? <laughs> okay, cool. No, I can't reach the ground, all right? That's why I don't think I can do it. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I, after watching, uh, I, you know, I've known multiple tandem instructors, you know, my same size who I would uh, imagine I would beat in a fist fight. <laughs> but, uh, and, and female instructors my same size who do a great job. Mm. You've so also seen some real idiots, regardless of size, do a good job. Yeah, I've seen idiots <laughs> do, uh, do a bad job, too. I've had a lot of front row seats to the ways that I would and wouldn't do tandems. Yeah. So uh, I think that I would do a decent job of it. But uh, I, just like what Carlos said, I, I just really don't have the desire to. I really like flying my parachute. I really like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to imagine. I mean, I, I have three tandems, two that I did when I became a student and one I did front ride for a buddy getting his rating. And it's so weird to talk to someone under canopy, you know, yeah. of like especially with I have almost 8,000 jumps now, and that's my me time up there, and yeah. I like it. And it's like to turn on my brain to try and have conversation right then. It's like 
don't know if I want to do that. I really like that me time. It's a selfish thing to say. Hey, but, uh, yo, if you look over there, that's a drop zone. That's where we took off from. Hey, look at downtown Houston over there. Because every probably couple thousand feet, you got to say something. Or more often. I'm sure there's guys who who say little to nothing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could. I'm capable of keeping up a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like I really like the solitude of of the experience of yeah. flying a parachute. And it's uh, like people who work at the drop zone that aren't jump staff, like people that work in manifest, people that pack. Like uh, every time I go on a skydive, it's a reset button of like, hey, this makes the rest, the rest. Of, like I don't like packing. I don't like being in a rush. Mm-hmm. I don't like running around as a sweaty mess all day having people tell me I'm a sweaty mess. <laughs> but every time I jump out of an airplane, it's like, boom, reset button. This shit's awesome. Like, it, it's not a full week goes by where I'm not just standing in the landing area giggling <laughs> about, a, about a jump. Sometimes it's a tandem video. Sometimes it's a fun jump. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, this is so crazy, stupid, and so fun <laughs> that it's like, Every every time that I think I might be growing up, of like, man, maybe maybe it's time to pursue a, a more grown up job. You do a jump. Then uh, yeah, I, I have a really good skydive, and it's like, man, how how do people walk away from this? I love it so yeah. much. It's amazing. But and that's not to say like that I would totally close the door forever to doing tandems. That maybe you know maybe someday I won't enjoy shooting video, or maybe I'll want to go someplace where you have to be a tandem instructor to to make it work. But uh, right now I'm pretty content with uh, with shooting video and the the video projects I get to do. It keeps me keeps me busy, pays the bills. I like it. You're like me. You uh, have found a unique ni- uh, niche in the sport. It, it's hard to find a way to make that external living without jumping or packing. And the video process has definitely been good for you. I want to go back to you though, Carlos. And I think you say this more as a figure of speech, but I want to clarify for people. If I take a 250-pound dude on a tandem, A, that's not the funnest mm. thing in the world, but B, he's not hanging from the front of me. The hookups on the tandem hook up right underneath your risers, and they're actually hooked up, and they're hanging from your risers. So under canopy, the lower hookups, there might be a little bit of weight from you at first, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, they're all hanging from the harness, um, especially once you loosen the lowers and it's just the uppers. They're hanging from the risers. Mm. So you're really not managing a lot of weight under yeah. parachute with it hanging from you. Now you're flying the weight in free fall. You're flying the weight under canopy. Um, you're landing with that's some of that part. extra weight. Yeah. And that's the hard part is if it's a hard landing, mm-hmm. um, man, tandem instructors, if your feet aren't hitting the ground first, you're not doing your job. I hope nobody ever gets hurt. But if you break your leg and your tandem student's okay, chances are you did your job. Mm. I hate to see it happen. You know, you'd be doing your job best if nobody gets hurt. But our job is, is to accept those harder impacts when we have those turbulent landings or those funky days. Mm-hmm. We're, we're bodyguards, so to speak. We're yeah. breathing roller coasters. <laughs> I don't like that thought. I just want to shoot video. I just want to shoot video, fly my little parachute, and film the carnage. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> There was a point for me, tandems were very grating, very like you said it. Oh, yeah, I'm on a video. Oh, shit, I'm on a tandem. And I think the last maybe five, 800 tandems I did full time as a TI, I was back to like the enjoyment, the pleasure, the the living vicariously through them is what I had to, to choose to do. And, and, I'm, and I'm not sure what each guy does. Nick, you, you've been doing this a long time. Carlos, you've been doing this a while. 
Have you guys found yourself at a point of burnout and what have you had to do to revitalize yourself in a work day? Whether it's just for the day or whether it's been for a, a time span. Carlos? Yeah, to be honest, no. <laughs> no? 4,000 jumps. How, um, how much of it's been full-time of those 4,000? 3,000? Oh, maybe 25. Okay. I think the time's still coming that it could yeah. happen. I don't think yeah. it happens no, to no, everybody. No, no, yeah, I agree. The time might come, but yeah. right now, like, just to, you know, have fun with the passenger first time or instructing, a, you know, one guy doing his first jump, I still enjoy it like it was the first one. So. What about you, Nick? I wouldn't say burnout is a feeling I've had. I've had discouragement, frustration, mm. uh, focus on other things. Like when I'm right in the middle, uh, you know, sometimes it just like writer's block. I'll get to a point with a video where I just can't make progress on it. And then I'll find the groove, and then something tries to pull me out of that groove, like a work jump. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to skydive right now. <laughs> or like if it's a busy Saturday, and I've done 10 jumps, and the sun's gone down. And it's like, I know I'm going to be landing with, you know, maybe I didn't get as many pictures as I wanted to, and I'm mm. already tired, and it's just a long, like, a long day, burnout at the end of a long day. I've certainly had that of like, gosh, I'm just done skydiving today. I've done That's enough skydiving. But um, as far as, like, I fully don't want to do this anymore, I think I have only ever gotten anything similar to that feeling when I haven't jumped in a couple of weeks because of the weather. Justin, one of the reasons we brought you onto the show was, was the need to fill a spot, but you're the perfect fit because you're a part-time skydiver. And I always forget to bring you into these conversations because you have the most common perception. The, the fun jumpers, lot more, there's a lot more of you than there are of us full-time skydivers, right? Yeah. So uh, it's been a limited number of years, but you've trained on teams. You've actually worked in the mentor program. Have you found a place of burnout at all yet? Um, no, not really. I mean, sometimes um, sometimes it gets to be too much if I'm uh, coaching or um, not necessarily doing STP jumps, but more doing mentor jumps if I'm with a particular person who is not receptive to what you're saying. They think <laughs> they know everything. And you basically, uh, you feel bad not jumping with them because otherwise they're going to do some stupid shit. So you're just almost forced to jump with them over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sorry, I bad sneeze. Definitely gotten to that point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to stop fucking mentoring today and I'm going to open a beer. <laughs> oh, man. And so what do you do to get past that guy? Um, just continue to work with them. Uh, try to bring other people into the group. Uh, try, try and to pawn them the, off on somebody else. That's yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if it's another younger jumper to, to come in with them, uh, preferably somebody with more experience or someone who's who follows direction well, just to change the dynamic of the group and try to orient it more towards teaching that person rather than the other person, and hopefully they pick up, pick up on what you're saying. Um, and hopefully they keep their damn mouth shut <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> What about uh, you, Carlos? What's if, super frustrating, like, is if 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 I'm with uh, another mentor or I'm learning from someone else, uh, you know, like Scott Latness or Demo, somebody like that that's that just does coaching all the time, you know, badass flyers. Uh, I get so frustrated when they talk over that person. It's like you realize who this person is. Like you should be soaking up every little bit you can. 
um, that's the part that really annoys me, especially when you get into like big way camps and stuff and you have a younger person who just won't shut the hell up. I love uh, <laughs> Thomas Hughes and I've done some work together lately. And e- even beyond that, I've watched him organize and coach. And one of my favorite things about Thomas is he's very direct, uh, as friendly as he is. And I in th- this past weekend, in the first debrief he had, somebody was speaking up and he said, I will not be spoken over. I will only say this once. It will not happen anymore. And I might have got the, the terms out of order, but he says those exact things. I got that last year when I went to the Dallas Boogie. Yeah. And I was jumping with his group, and he, he did that. Even with you know, people with thousands of jumps, it's like, look, listen. You're here to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, in canopy courses, somebody will continue to speak up. And, and I don't use the line as often as I want to, because as often as I want to, he's probably being more of a dick. But every now and then I'd be like, oh, yo, you want to teach us? Because I got no problem hanging out in the back of the room. You teach, let me kick back back there. Have any of you ever met someone in skydiving who thought they knew everything, <laughs> who lived up to that thought? Yeah. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to stop with the first half, and I'm like, every other canopy course. <laughs> I know. Those, those people absolutely exist. Oh, yeah. But uh, I've never been blown away by any of them of like, wow, you, you shit, man. I should start <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> it's almost always the opposite. solid, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Ready the most for solo free confident, fly. skilled flyer I know, and it just doesn't seem like... That's the that's the furthest thing I can push it is they're confident when they're that skilled, but they're not cocky, they're not arrogant. Um, it commonly seems when they're that good, hey yo, I can we're gonna go on this jump. Well, okay, cool, I'm gonna do this and this, but I can't promise I'll be great at it. And then they turn out to be great at it. You know, it, it seems like the better you are, the more you under promise over deliver. I mean, I. It seems like the more experience I have, the more I realize there are a lot of people that are way better than me. I don't know shit, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Every day. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to be as good as the people that I know. Yeah. You know? yeah. Never. I've Never. learned a lot in this sport, and I know a lot in this sport, and I don't know shit. Mm. Man, I go out and do some angle jumps with you guys, I would be lost. I go out and talk about some video stuff with you, man, and I was a great videographer at some point in my life. No, you would fucking lose me. I go out and talk to Val about four-way, and she's going to smoke my brain. Mm. Dude, I, I recently had a guy in a canopy course who looked at me and said, tell me I'm the best jumper you've ever seen. What? He lo- said, tell me I'm the best jumper you've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I laughed, I giggled. I'm like, bro, you got to understand, my friends have thousands, if not tens of thousands of skydives, so I can't say yes. I, it just is impossible. <laughs> thought I got out of it. No, 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 no. Then tell me I'm the best 50 jump person you've ever seen. You've <laughs> never seen anybody with 50 jumps better than me. The kid was mediocre. I mean, it was just like, um, and I was honest with him. I'm like, uh, buddy, you're average. You're average at best. You're, you're not even great. You're not good. You're average. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. You're, you're, you're doing totally fine. Yeah. What about you with, you have limited big group experience now, but you've been coaching more and more in groups. Have you had that guy or gal in a group who's just difficult to work with? Yes. And what advice would you give different than Justin? Like, I, I'm not a direct guy. So I try to go around it, you know, like, oh, and to make him humble for saying like, okay, you know this, now you're going to be in this slot and you're going to do this. And when you don't do it, they're going to be like, I was like, yeah, where were you? And I asked him, how, how you feel on the jump? And the, that guy always has an excuse, you know? It happens. It, they tell me, <laughs> no, the exit, you told me between set and go, and I left a little bit late. And 
Okay, but you were not in the jump. You weren't in the slot. So let's go back to the slot you're supposed to be and let's do another jump and build up their confidence. I don't, like, with a STP student, for example, I'm never going to tell them, hey, you didn't listen to me. You didn't do this. Because, man, they have five jumps. They have yeah. six jumps. They don't know what the hell they're doing still, you know? So I try to rebuild their confidence instead of, like, getting on them like, ah, you didn't stretch your legs and all that stuff. You know, it's, everybody has their own means to do it. But every time I have that guy, I try to put him in his place by making him harder, you know, like, oh, you know how to do this? Now let's try this. And he's not even there, and you're like, then you don't know what you're doing. You know, that's that's how I try to go around it. And there. Do you have uh, any goals that you're working on with skydiving? Like anything that you're hoping to do? I mean, 2018 is kind of winding down. 19. It's a good, good time to, to bring We're up carving. some new goals. We're carving. You carving? We've been carving. Carving pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, you and me. You haven't been trick or treat since you've been a kid? 31st, October 2019. I'll, I'll go and watch Martina. Okay. You're going to come with me with a bath. Oh, dude, Sam could totally get away with it, too. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for sure, dude. She nah. didn't have to wear a mask. She looks no. like a little kid. I do really want to be a lot stronger on my back. And uh, I talked to Luis this morning, and I was like, oh, man, we should try because he organized Luis Pineto he just organized the South American head down record and they did super good and then there were like did they set a record yeah they did, did. you know how many people it was? 28 I think cool I'm sorry if it was more I'm sorry guys I'm not 100% sure but it was something like that 28. yeah he's an American now get over it yeah I'm sorry <laughs> not yet South American and uh, no I told him like hey man it will be awesome to organize a Venezuelan record you know right now the record is zero F you know, no not head down record official. So if we do even one order, I'll be super surprised. If we do 10 people, that'll be awesome. So we're taking an order down to Tortuga, is that what you're telling that'll me? That'll be awesome. <laughs> that'll be great. But yeah, I don't know. They, the conflict, I don't know. Some people might not want to go to Venezuela. And I think, to be honest, the, the, the best place to do it is going to be the land because there's a lot of Venezuelan free flyers already there living. Oh, so you had set a record composed just of, of Venezuelan flyers. Yeah. That's uh, well, what? I'm not fucking going to be there then. You are. You're a Venezuelan, right? But only if there aren't too many Chileans Chilean around. go. Yeah. <laughs> Hate you. Right now, Sebastián <laughs> Pavés just text me, you see? Say who what? Chi, chi, chi. Le, le, le. Seba, <laughs> Seba Pavés. Bad Seba. <laughs> Naughty Seba. Not the Canario? <laughs> I know you. Naughty Seba. Not no, the canary. <laughs> I, I picked it up before you said bad Saber. <laughs> you didn't have to call him bad Saber. He's cool. I love him. He's a great dude, man. Yeah. Nick, him we'll and Benja are in China now, right? He's in China with Benjamin. Yeah, doing all the tandems. Yeah, is Ben in China already? Benjamin? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen uh, some, some Instagram of him being in China. Being yeah. crazy. And those two guys together, I can't even imagine. Man. You got a question, DJ? No. Oh, what are your goals for 2000? 19. Man, I can't keep track Gosh. of Gosh. <laughs> you know, the the one clear goal I have right now is flipping that stupid goddamn tire. But as far <laughs> as uh, as far as flying stuff goes, man, I really want to get back to working on uh, on upright flying. Because hmm. it's been a really long time since I really focused on sit flying at all. And it's hard. Like, th this year I, hmm. I started uh, finally working out upright exits that I can leave on my feet front and rear. I haven't really tried sideways. Of like, let's say that you were mm. taking out a four-way round and you were going to have two people with one foot 
down the hill facing facing each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're doing the motion, but for someone listening, yeah. if you're doing a four-way, you have someone front, someone rear, one inside and one outside. Those people are kind of going flying sideways, sideways on the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm facing straight at the door. You're facing straight in the yeah, door. Yeah, so I haven't tried flying that slot by myself, but uh, it's really fun to be able to leave the plane on my feet and stay there. But uh, as far as like moving on my feet or building anything on my feet, it's just been a really long time. I uh, Super hard. Been in the tunnel a couple times in the last two weeks. Uh, Brian Clark, you know, yeah, we've been flying together. And uh, yesterday we went, and he only wants to fly 10 minutes for his back. I was like, uh, yo, make it 15 minutes. I'll fly the extra time, and I'll just go free fly. And Ivan joined me and working on head-up stuff. And, uh, man, I really I wish I'd stay more current just because the little improvements, the little things that the last time I flew uh, in the tunnel was with you, or free flying at least. And uh, the one thing that I needed to work on, two things. One was my chin, mm-hmm. you know, getting the head back. And number two was staying strong. And I, there's things you tell me in the tunnel when we fly together. And, and I understand what you're saying in the tunnel, but I don't get it until we leave. Like, okay, I can do that better now. You know, it's, I, I don't get to digest it. I'm a very slow chewer when mm-hmm. it comes to information. And uh, so this time I'm like, man, let me focus on being strong in these turns and not letting my stuff give away because that's one of the things you were trying to get me to do, man. Dude, so much fun. I just need to get out and do it more. Hmm. I'm just hoping 2019 I don't implode. That's those are my goals, not to Hmm. instantaneously combust. That's a solid goal. Yeah, man. Super busy. A lot of things coming up for me. Uh, A lot of different trips, family trips, business trips. the rating center, just different companies I'm involved with are all doing different things. So it, it's going to be a fucking busy year, dude. I'm super excited about 2019. Kind of winding down to a good 2018. Justin, I'm excited. goals, 2019, yep. what do you got? Um, Walking. Wa- yeah, right? <laughs> I'm actually going to try to make a jump this weekend if the weather is consistently it's good. supposed to be gorgeous. One warning. It will be a very damp landing area. Oh, yeah. 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 Very damp landing area. Um, if you ever come out to visit Spaceland Houston, folks, we used to be a rice field. No shit. Used to be a rice field. Um, bring a change of socks, change of shoes, change of pants, change of underwear. You just never know. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I always have those things with me. Um, do you always have those things with you at Spaceland? Uh, only because I exercise and sweat through my clothes and I bring clothes to have and then I wash those clothes and then they're in my locker and now half my closet lives at the drop zone. <laughs> <laughs> And half your closet is jerseys from Option Studios. That's fucking right, Jesus Boom. Christ. Yeah, the other the other things I want to do, I want to get back. Uh, I want to do a lot of STP, more STP next year. Uh, and I'd like to get on a four way team, but I'm I'm not going to push that if the right people are willing to be on a team and have the commitment. Then I'll I'll be on one. Are you looking for level? Are you skill level or personality? Commitment level? and personality. Yes. Commitment, like, are you looking for a guaranteed commitment or a minimum amount of guaranteed commitment? A minimum amount. How yeah. much? Um, I like to do, um, you know, one weekend a month, and go to nationals for sure, hundred percent. Okay. I. I mean, this year it didn't work out. I had to re- get a refund on my ticket because I tore my ACL. But you know. Yeah. Shit happens. I know a team that you just described, except for the commitment to nationals, and they're looking for one or two. So uh, you would definitely be a, a leading flyer on that team. Um, all super good people. Brian Lawson. Uh, yeah. Dustin Deturo. 
Brian's got quite a few jumps, has he not? He, he's done, yeah. He, he's not, I don't know the exact number, but he's doing well for himself. And then Melissa Brown on video, I think, is her goal. So, and then Brian Clark might be actually joining. Oh, the Melissa team. wants to do video, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Carlos, man, next week we actually are going to be all, uh, live on Tuesday. We're going to bring a good friend of ours back uh, for the first time, third time to have Hank on for the first time with Mr. Lott. Yeah, he's been on twice. I haven't been here. <laughs> so, it's it, goddamn conspiracy. It'll happen. Justin, are you going to be here next weekend? Next week? Next Tuesday? If I can move my physical therapy appointment, I'm not sure. Okay, cool. I would love it if you are here, um, just because Justin or, or Hank, he's a super good time. Uh, the week after that, I am going to... Yeah, I was to here the other two times. Uh, no, Ben Nelson. <laughs> oh. Or the one time. Yeah, Ben Nelson, then you. Uh, and then I actually, uh, in two weeks from now, we'll be in Dallas, Spaceland Dallas. We're going to try something new, something different. Uh, Nick, I'm sure you noticed that I very late started this little Zoom recording. Yeah, I here. noticed it sitting there I before we that. started. Yeah, yeah, I started it late. Uh, I'm doing a test recording, change some settings, fix some things on that. Uh, as you know, I have a little uh, setup with wireless mics, etc. So we're going to try to run a Gravity Lab radio uh, remote from Ben Nelson's office in Dallas in a couple weeks. So we'll, we'll be working on that. Got a lot of other cool shit coming up around the corner. Justin, I have a question. How many viewers we have right now? We have nine. Okay. I'm going to plug my phone, okay? We're going to receive one call, okay? <laughs> and the winner, if they want, I'm going to do a coach jump with them for free. So okay. you're saying the first person oh. to call you is going to get a free first track? But like they got to tell us what's their goal for 2019 in Skydive. That's a really good idea. Right. So you got to tell them your number then. No, don't tell DJ your number. He's trying to call you right now. Yeah, he's <laughs> ready. <laughs> All right, everyone said DJ, okay? Yeah, see him cheating? <laughs> he's cheating. Oh, don't tell me. I already had it saved. <laughs> All right. So Carlos's number is 832-946-7391. Okay, pull, pull out your phone right now because we're going to say the number again in a second just in case nobody got it. And if you're driving right now and you're listening to this after the fact, I don't care that this oh is not live. <laughs> Call <laughs> Carlos no. and say you're listening oh, to the right podcast. Now Facebook Live. If you don't know Carlos, please yeah, call <laughs> him at 832. Get your phone ready. Area code 832-946-7391. Please, please, if you listen to this podcast <laughs> after, please send him a text message about something terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, no dick pics. Oh, well, um, now he's getting dick pics. Thanks for bringing yeah. that up. Best way to say not something. Um, Nobody's calling. No, wait. So Carlos is not Someone, popular. Someone's going to call. It's going to happen. Oh, man. Um, oh, shit. I was going to, while we were waiting on that, I had something. Oh, uh, I can't remember what it was now. 832 946 7391. What are your goals for 2019? Anton STP. Yeah. What? I, one guy that I did STP with. Are you going to call right now? He's calling. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Do, do we have that channel up, Justin? Got, I'm turning it up a little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what up, Anton? What up, brother? What's up, bro? How are you, man? <laughs> this is hey, kind bro. of awesome. This man, is a hey, new Gravity hey, Lab first. Make sure you listen just through your phone and not through uh, not through the computer because there's a little bit of a delay. All right, I'm here. All right, brother. I feel like they do that on radio shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's still hearing you through the speaker on your phone, I think. So oh, just is? make sure yeah, he can he can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I'm just having a hard time because... Um, Trying to listen to the live stream and it's also delayed a little bit, but it's all good. All right, brother. What are your goal for 2019 in skydiving? He, this guy, by the way, oh. he's super nice guy. He's 18 years old. 
he just he's about to finish his STP with me. His dad is a rock climber, sort of. Was he? He's still in high school, and he's gonna be a rock star in skydiving. Dude, so what's your name, bro? First and last name? Anton. Anton Mika. Yeah. Dude, you're in high school and skydiving. That's so That's crazy. crazy yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. he's killing it, by that's, the way. That's awesome. If I was a high school girl, man, I'd be into that. Just saying. <laughs> Moisture bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Panties be dropping. Yeah. Thank What's you. your goal for 2019 right now in skydiving? What do you think? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking. First of all, I want to get through my um, the STP courses. That's number one. Get the license and everything. Um, I, first of all, I'm kind of broke. So I'm trying to think of uh, doing, like, maybe, like, um, at least five jumps a month, if that's possible, you know, uh, you know, financially, at least, you know. Okay. Yeah. But I definitely want to go through the mentor program and just learn um, all I can from it, because I know there's just overwhelming information about the sport, and then, like, I can't wait to learn it all and everything. Man, that's a great tool. That's what I like to hear. The mentor program is amazing, so take an advantage of it. And whenever you finish the jump with me, you get to jump another time with me for tracking. Yes. All right. So I might mm -hmm. have missed this. What jump are you on right now, Antone? I'm on... Um, I've done 16 so far. That'll be my 17. So I think that'll be dive flow. 15. 15. All right, yeah. and, and if you're Check not if you're not from Spaceland, yes, he a license check dive, so he's almost done with the student program. Hey, Anton, do me a favor. Next time you're at the drop zone, find Carlos, uh, ask him for your altimeter, because Carlos is going to have a Viso altimeter, brand new in the box from Larson and Bruce Guard for you. Mm. Ask him for it. Thank you for calling us, Carlos. Keep talking to him. All right, but before brother. I forget, <laughs> check that out. That's there you for go. You, bro. you see, man. Boom. That's got the hookup. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank That's you. Appreciate it. Altimeter. All right, brother. So keep doing the, what you're doing. Be safe. And I'll see you soon at the drop zone, eh? Awesome. Yeah. All right, Everyone. man. Take care, my man. Bye. Bye -bye. <laughs> Dude, how awesome yeah. is that? Yo, uh, by the way, LMB, you just gave away <laughs> a free <laughs> altimeter. And um, yeah. it's, it's, it's moments like that where it's like, man, this show is fun. Dude. Like, this, this is, is cool. <laughs> Like, that's such a cool thing to be able to do, man. That's awesome. Oh, uh, dude, I, I'm lucky. LMB uh, did is going to give that away. That is a prize from <laughs> LMB. Um, I work with LMB in marketing, and I do their live feeds for Facebook. So I do have a little bit of, of a stash of that equipment. Man, so. how many people are going to fucking call in next time they hear some yeah, shit? Right? Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you never know. I'm like Oprah, and you get an altimeter, but the next <laughs> caller does not. So don't think the next guy's going to, but the third guy might. The fourth guy, my first one to send Carlos a dick pic, gets one. Oh, Jesus. Don't, <laughs> don't put that evil on my friend Carlos. I'm not going to confirm or deny that I will give somebody a visa for that. <laughs> I probably won't, but I don't want to stop you from sending Carlos dick pics. No, so, man, Carlos, before we wrap up, man, I really want to thank some friends of ours out there. The good guys detailing. The good guys detailing. They do cars. They do boats. They do planes. They clean. They detail. If you hit them up, look for The Good Guys Detail on Facebook. Uh, you can get 10% off if you mention Gravity Lab or you have a USPA membership. If you mention Gravity Lab for the month of November in Houston only. They're Texas-wide. They're mobile Texas-wide. You can get them anywhere. They're based out of Austin. But November only 
hit them up and you can actually uh, get a, a $700 for the Ceramic Coat Pro. That's what Justin and I had. Hear about it at the beginning of this podcast with that ad, uh, with that little uh, ad that we have up in the front. Um, but that's a $100, $200 discount depending on what you got going on. So check them out. Uh, love and thank you to Option Studios. Option Studios does all the graphic design for Gravity Lab and the Rating Center. They made these dope jerseys for Gravity Lab. All of us happen to be wearing them tonight. Shout out. Check them out. Pullupcords.com. Love to thank them. Man, Justin, anything else you got to share with our friends out there? No, I'm looking forward to get back in the sky. Nicholas? Uh, no. Uh, I might... Announced that I'm flipping that tire on Sunday. If anyone, I've had a handful of people say they want to be there and, and watch. I'm ready. So I'll make yeah. a post about it if it's going to happen. But again, I still don't, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know yet. We're ready, man. Carlos, what else do you want to share? That's it. Thank you so much for everything, for everybody listening. Hope to see you soon. Viva Venezuela. Viva Venezuela. Cool. Guys and gals, till next week, this is DJ Marvin, Nicholas Lott, Justin Grubbs. Thanks to our friend Carlos Rodriguez, yeah. Gonzalez. Maduro, <laughs> Maduro. No, no, no. 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 Bad Maduro. day. We're Greg Lab Radio. Blue yeah. skies. <laughs>